0: Uh. Yeah. Uh. If you love something, let it go. It goes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, Uh. it never was. Don't be down, baby. Either let me fly or give me death. Let my soul rest, take my breath. If I don't fly, I'ma die anyway. I'ma live on when I'll be gone any day. Either let me fly or give me death. Let my soul rest, take my breath. I don't fly, I'ma die anyway I'ma live on what I've been gone any day wanna know me now, didn't wanna play with me, when to show me how, know me out, but it's all about the bark, let the dog lose baby, it's about to spark, light up the night, like the Fourth of July, niggas know, when I let go, niggas die, if it's why, and you don't know, you slow like Baltimore, if you ain't to go, you blow, I soak up, all the pain and accept it in silence, when I let go, it's violence, cause the wildest is the dog, walking up the tree for the cat, in the fog, what y'all niggas see is the bat, flapping away, wave. But I'm blind like Stevie Niggas don't hear me Still trying to see me Stop being greedy You heard what I said Let me go Let me flow Either yeah, let me fly Or give me death Let my soul rest Take my breath If I don't fly I'ma die anyway I'ma live on But I'll be gone any day Even let me fly Or give me death Let my soul rest Take my breath If I don't fly I'ma die anyway I'ma live on what I'll be gone any day i sold my soul to the and the price was cheap And yo, it's cold on this level Cause it's twice as deep But you don't hear me uh-huh. Ignorance is bliss and so, so on. on Sometimes it's better to be thought dumb Shall I go on? Mm. You're the real But the deal is a mystery How is it I can live and make history? If you don't see it Then it wasn't meant for you to see If you wasn't born with it It wasn't meant for you to be But you can't blame me For not wanting to be held Locked down in a cell Where the soul can't dwell This is hell Call me the devil and give me the key But can't be worse than the curse That was given to me It's what I live for You take away that, and I'm gone There's a difference between doing wrong and being wrong and that, that ain't, ain't right Let's keep it fair, baby uh, Put me in the air and I'll take it there, baby yes. Either let me fly or give me death Let my soul rest, take my breath If I don't fly, I'ma die anyway I'ma live on, but I'll be gone any day Either let me fly or give me death Let my soul rest, take my breath If I don't fly, I'ma die anyway I'ma live on, but I'll be gone any day sitting on the stoop
1: outside of 469 14th street this is greg ware and this is talking schmidt today on the show is my east coast bro matt o'brien matt's a street skater at heart coming up on that east coast asphalt and all sorts of weather i met him when he was a local at playground skate park in connecticut tearing it up matt's a talented and prolific artist as well who made next to nothing for designing the ubiquitous slap angel logo Back in the day. Listeners may be interested to find out that Matt is Irish. In general, for what I can tell, Matt is pulling a Chris Miller. Like Chris Miller, Matt only seems to get better. This is gonna be a good episode of Talking Schmidt, so stick around.
0: Fuck are they, dude? I need I need my talking Schmidt, man.
1: This is Matt O'Brien, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. It's cool. Like tonight is the night. Here we
2: go again. Just give it the old car's try, isn't big dogs in. Schmitty. Ninety six
1: times, Schmitty.
0: Thanks, Schmitty. We
1: on? Schmitty. Talking Smitty.
0: That's called going to the uh, hospital, huh? bitch. I be shit my pants. <laughs> Your yeah,
1: rolodex is fucking deep.
0: It's about the one,
1: the one, the one. Who is this guy? He thinks he's tough shit. What's up? We're tastemakers.
3: Come on,
2: Schmitty. What the fuck? Uh,
4: I'm here for Greg Smith. Yeah.
3: Sha Oh, wait. Sha Chang. All right. Sipping on a little throat coat tea on a rainy day in San Francisco. I'm Schmitty, and this is Talking Schmidt. Yesterday, Bill King died. But today, I got Matt O'Brien here, and we're going to talk skateboarding, East Coast, West Coast, mixed with a little PDX sugar, maybe some art, whatever else comes up in the process. So listen up, because you can't say nothing, and you might even learn something. And with that, here's my guest, Matt O'Brien.
1: That was really well done. What's up? That was good. Do you practice that in the shower?
3: No, I just... uh, (laughs) You know, I used to be a freestyle rapper.
1: Oh, so, in your uh, Redwood City days.
3: Yeah. Eighth, after eighth grade, I I've, I realized I couldn't break dance. I tried it, but it wasn't working. So then I went to the to the freestyle, started just rhyming words. And all of a sudden, you know, who knows? Anything could come out and you usually did.
1: I'm backing it. That sounds good. <laughs> you would never know. You would never know.
3: Uh, How are you, man? I'm, I, I'm well, yeah. Um, like I said, uh, I can't complain because I see a lot of shit out there that's really bad. So like, it's, it's challenging for all of us. But in, in the level of life, like, I'm lucky I still got a job. I got a roof over my head. We're getting groceries, right. the whole thing. I got a, I got a dog and a fiance. And that's Dude. pretty <laughs> fucking helpful. You know,
1: same, same dog and fiance. <laughs> same.
3: It's a good combo.
1: I think if anything else, like, and you probably have these conversations daily is like, what a perspective change, uh, this past year has been mm-hmm. just simplify and, uh, shit one foot in front of the next, man, we're, we're, we'll get through it.
3: Yeah. And also kind of like, it's weird. Cause my whole life I, I heard like live in the now, live in the now. And this really makes you live in the now, like right. you really have to be like today sucks. Tomorrow might not today's rad. Enjoy it. You know what I mean?
1: Like, whereas before you would sit there and be like, I'm going to live in the now. I'm going to live in the now. You'd really try. But now none of us have a choice, you know?
3: Yeah. I used to, I I got a therapist and I tell her like, when I tried to meditate, like when you try to relax, that's when my body would shake the most. Like I would
1: just be like, ah, freak out. And that's exactly uh, what happens to everyone when they just start meditating. It's just, uh, you get, you know. You, one day you all of a sudden get 10 seconds you know yeah uh, maybe that maybe in two weeks that's 15 seconds right and um you just it's just like skateboarding you know you you overthink it and then one day you're in that zone and you're actually doing that trick that you didn't think possible or you know it's just you tap into that flow like meditation mm. is for a lot of people it's uh shit. I think it's just discipline. So.
3: Totally. It's great for your mind. And uh it also like one of the big things I'm learning through it is like not to judge yourself because you're your worst judge out sure. of everybody out there. You think your shit sucks more than anyone else. Sure. So if you could just take it easy on yourself, that's going to help a lot.
1: Yeah. You, you, you think your shit sucks or you think your shit's too dope. I mean, there's like the Everyone struggles with that
3: Mm -hmm. Well so Let's get to the beginning You were born in the east coast right Connecticut out there
1: Grew up in uh, New Haven, Connecticut New Haven Yeah and then I moved to Bethany uh, Which is like um, It's still New Haven County Bethany is where I would have learned About BMXing and uh, You know learned about skateboarding It's where I met like <clears throat> brian gaberman and just like that that whole crew of dudes
3: was brian from uh bethany
1: bethany so it was if i remember correctly there was bethany had, was part of a better school system so there was all these you know young parents moving their kids out from new haven out to like bethany or woodbridge or orange connecticut all to be a part of uh this amity school system which was rated maybe like third best school, you know, nationally. So there was a lot of hype around it. My folks were down with the hype, so we moved to Bethany. Huh, but,
3: so you got a good education.
1: I think, like I, I, I no. <laughs> I think I was, it, like Amity was so big, by the time we went, it was, it was one of those schools where you could just float float by, you know? Uh huh. No one was paying attention to, you know, what you were doing. So, you know, like you could skip class and hang out in the graphics class with, you know, and that's something I would do. Like I could, I could figure out a way to like sit somewhere and draw or doodle and just float. So I, I wouldn't say like it was, you know, I left with like a pretty good education. I was just, it was easy.
3: Okay. So were you doodling before you were rolling?
1: You know, my, my folks met in art school. Oh yeah. So it was encouraged to be like a a doodler or whatever, you know, my mom was not really down for us watching TV. So, you know, we were just kind of entertain ourselves. So yeah, Yeah. I was a doodler.
3: And then how did, do you remember like kind of getting sparked to to get your first skateboard? Like how that went? Did you see somebody that you thought was cool rolling by or did you see it in a movie or?
1: I think, you know, At that time, being so isolated from anything cool, you know, I was into like BMXing, but I was such a small, scrawny kid that it was, you know, you fall, you fall with a bike and it's like, you're out, you're out. You know, it's, it's kind of hard for me to It was hard for me to do. So I think something, maybe BMX plus was close by to a trans world or something. There was some sort of like connection where, where BMX and skateboarding like met. And I remember going into like a certain grade and then the cool kids had skateboards. So it was just, just kind of something I walked into, you know?
3: Did um, you get it from a skate shop?
1: You know what? My first skateboard was a Jeff Phillips two. I bought it from Tom Cahill. Uh, yeah. It had a red tracker ultralights and uh street wheels. They were like two-tone. Okay. Yeah. Tom Cahill hooked it up.
3: That's rad. Was there a skate shop back there then? In, like, locally,
1: yeah, it started to like uh, I was exposed to skaters and skate the skate community, and I think the place to go to was Rad Rob's, so that would Rad have been Rob's. Milford, Connecticut. So that's like a Milford would have been like a 40 minute drive away from Bethany.
3: If so. anybody out there has a Rad Rob sticker. Five bucks, I got
1: you. Yeah, yeah. Or there's Rad Rad Robs, and then there's Rick Surf City. Goddamn, yeah. Those are the shops I would go to. And all of the shops were like BMX skateboard shops. You know, they were like hybrids. They weren't. It, you know, skating was too small to be like the the main focus to keep the lights on. You know. Okay. So and,
3: and then what was the playground? What do I need to know about the playground?
1: <laughs> playground is was. Uh, Definitely fast-forwarding a few years. Playground would have been in Wallingford, and it was, uh, you know, this amazing woman, uh, Bruna Da Silva. I think she did it just for her kid, Tony. So uh, Tony Da Silva, do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. So she opened it up just for Tony. I think Tony was, like, an aspiring soccer player who got into skateboarding, and then she just loved it and opened up this place. And and it became like this uh, place for all the fuck ups, you know, like, um, you know, so many kids were going through like broken families. So they would go to the playground every day. I spent uh, as much time as I could at the playground. So
3: what city was that?
1: That's that's in Wallingford.
3: In Connecticut. Yeah. And like, was that a place where you met a lot of like, did you meet Salba there or did you already?
1: Yeah, Salba and Pales and that that whole crew. <clears throat> it you know I lived in Bethany, uh, Upson lived in Seymour. We had a this girl Nicole Germain that would come and pick us up after school. Uh huh. Like she would just come drive her parents' car and pick us all us dudes up, and then go to the playground and we would just spend is you know be at the playground till eight or nine or ten at night, and then she would drive us home. So. Yeah, it was uh, the best place, man. I think a lot of us, uh, you know, I got caught smoking weed there. I got kicked out, <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah, all I had to do is call back and apologize to Bruna. It was just one of those things where, like, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, like, just being a little dickhead, you know? Huh. It was a great, great place to be.
3: So did you kind of grow up with Upson? You knew him, like, at an early age?
1: I would see him at uh, skateboard events. And, um, one of my friends nicknamed him Bear essentials, Bear essential. Like, Oh, there's bare essential. Um, (laughs) why he would always show up like, you know, you know, there's the kids that are like concerned with like the right board and the right look and like, you know, the right, maybe at that time it would have been the right air walks Mm -hmm. and the right H street board. I don't know. But Tim would just show up at the spot and he would just be like scrappy. Like, you know, like uh, just no socks. And just if everyone had rails, he didn't have rails.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, he just kind of, no one could figure him out, man. He was just so good and did not care to connect with anyone.
2: Uh-huh. You know,
1: it's like no coincidence that he ended up on anti-hero. You know what I mean? If you, if, if you look at it that way, it's so much of him was just such good talent you know the rest of it just fell to the side like he i don't know
3: so he was always kind of like an elusive creature like kind of to himself a little bit
1: yeah i mean guarded always guard yeah guarded individual but i mean you know charming too like he's just a little badass you know Uh you should get him on here he would be
3: i would love to
1: i haven't talked to him in forever. But in the last year, I somehow I just connected with so many people, and we spent uh, some good time in the backyard. No um, way! Just talking about w- everything that's happened in the last fifteen years or so. But uh, yeah, Tim is still excellent, man. He's just wired differently. Still one of my, f- you know, favorite favorite human beings. You know, even when he sucks, <laughs> still one of my favorites. So
3: yeah. Uh... Salva said to to ask you the worst ups and story at all
2: the
1: worst ups. (laughs) No, no, see that. See, I want to keep Tim as a friend, so
3: uh, (laughs) yeah,
1: no stories on Timmy,
3: yeah, because I talked to Sieber a bunch. Um, he's got Ignition Skate Shop out there, yes, and uh, yes, we've been slowly, very slowly trying to create a, a narrative that could lure Tim in and get him to I was like why don't you guys do it together maybe that would be better like maybe he doesn't want to do it alone or something
1: I'll tell you this the stickers in the background of your closet just put up a picture of like somebody fly fishing right just like uh wear like fishing gear and just yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly you know Tim said something to me uh over the summer that was super funny you know when he first went to Europe he was super hyped like I don't know if that was with black label or like what it probably was black label. So he was on a black label tour and he went to Europe and did all these demos. And, uh, you know, that's super exciting for someone of that, of that age in that time. <clears throat> and he came home and he said, his dad was like, so did you bring your, did you bring your pole fishing pole? And he's like, what? No, it was just my skateboard. And his dad, his dad was like, you're a fucking idiot. That would be a good way to get into Tim's life is like, talk about stuff like that, because that would have been like his dad knew of all these like famous fly fishing spots in Europe. Oh, really? And was like, that's what you should have gone to Europe for. So like, Uh... I think that would be an interesting, you know, narrative, whatever. Yeah. Talk to Timmy about what's relevant, you know, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I, I. the only time Tim chimes in usually is when someone dies or when uh, he's got a big question about something that Jake's not able to answer anymore and he wants my opinion on what I think Jake would say.
1: That's amazing.
3: Yeah, it's cool. I love Tim. Like we stay in touch. I'd say we probably like text each other six to eight times a year or something, you know, sure. randomly. Yeah, sure but uh, well, then, he's really concerned with where skateboarding's going to go post Felper.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all? Or the mag, we all?
3: the mag in particular, can the mag stay the mag post Felper is his big question.
1: There's always got to be someone there that's going to say, we can't have those people advertising in this magazine. Yeah. You know, whether you like it or not that, that I can't speak for like the magnitude of what felper like represented for the magazine that that's that's more for you but there's got to be always someone there to uh if it's not shit talk it's just shine shine some light on like or maybe it's just grounding there's got to be someone there to ground you guys you know no matter what but
3: it will also just guard like it was he was really good at keeping the goons out you know like yes. if you if you walked in to fucking whatever he was just like Out of here, dude. I I loved how, like, dudes would come upstairs with their skateboard and he'd be like, Skateboards downstairs. Like, he didn't even know these guys or say hi yet. And he's just like, Downstairs with the skateboard. Like,
1: he had his rules. He had
3: his rules and and he never let them slide. Don't ever call me Bud. Don't wear black socks. No cargoes after 30. Like, there was a list, man.
1: Yeah. Jesus, how are you guys doing without the captain? Well, it's
3: crazy, right? We lost I lost my whole team in three years, basically with P-Stone, Jake, uh, and uh Dave Symnewski, who is the marketing guy. He 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 retired, he quit or yeah. transferred jobs, but and then Jordan, my side partner, ex-wing fighter, he yeah. he got a new job too. So I'm like, whoa. And then at the same time. I'm working from home. Like I've only been to the mag three times since March of last year. Wow. Like in, in almost a year I've been there three times. So it's crazy in that regards, but uh fuck Burnett is insane workhorse. The dude is just like in his grudge hut, probably like more than he's, I don't know, anywhere else. And he, and, or he's at the bottom of a rail or in a car going to LA yep. and, But he works his ass off and, you know, he has the drive still after whatever, 25 plus years. But we just hit 40-year anniversary this year. So to me, it's just like, how are we even in print still? Because hardly any mags are and there's no skateboard mags. And Rolling Stone, Spin, uh, Sports Illustrated, these top-level mags of yesteryear are either – really thin or just went full digital. And we're as thick as we've ever been. So, I I mean, a big part of it is because you're looking at full page photos, right? It's still like Playboy's probably thick, right? You're looking at photos and uh, skateboarding is like, you can't beat that, like sitting on the toilet, flying or whatever. You're just like taking it in. And that's something digital will never have. But I mean obviously Instagram
1: I mean it's tangible it's um mm-hmm. for our generation, it's we you know no other way, like I have nothing to compare it to right you know instagram is 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 nice, but uh you're gonna it's the same way like you know zine culture came up so much in the last few years. after a while you you just want to sit with something, you don't want that to change like you want you want to sit with an image and just have it resonate um, yeah. That's that's really important. That's why something like if Thrasher is protected, right, if it's curated as it's always been, it'll never go anywhere. It'll always have uh, an audience. So, you know, the, to compare it to like it's, – it's weird to even compare it to Rolling Stone because skateboarding is not uh, – it doesn't need the rock star, you know. Skateboarding needs skateboarding.
3: Right. And probably Rolling Stone's more – written you know i think the value is more in the interviews and the articles that they write maybe it's not as photo heavy and so all that can be transferred to the internet you can you can transfer that but like seeing a two-page spread of greco switch frontside flipping lincoln or something it's like yeah that's on my wall you know like so those are the difference
1: and it also um you know, like we're older, but the the demographic that's picks up a mag for the first time, you know, they're still putting things on their wall like that. They're still going to, you know, tear something out and trophy it, or at least I hope.
3: Yeah, me too. I do. I have to think, I'm pretty sure that maybe not all, maybe not half, I don't know what percentage, but there are kids out there that would rather be on Thrasher's Instagram than in the mag. And that kind of blows me away.
1: Right, right. I mean, Instagram has, in the last seven years, just been so goddamn essential, right? Yeah,
3: right. Great marketing tool.
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. That's how you get your brand out. I get it. I get it. And if I guess kids aren't corrected and aren't if they're not shown that there's another way that they should appreciate. I don't know how to, you know, I have 47. I don't really know how to like speak for, speak for kids. Mm -hmm. All I know is like, it feels great to put my phone down. (laughs) You know what I mean? Do something else. You just influence somebody. Yep.
3: I've been practicing that. It's cool. It is good to put your phone down. I encourage it.
1: I, I don't know if you're, you're this way, but I, you know, Sometimes I would judge people like, wow, that dude is so old and he comments on every fucking post, you know, like what's wrong with that dude? And then all of a sudden you become that dude, (laughs) you know, for me. And then I'm like, oh, I need to chill the fuck out. So, (laughs) you know, you go, you start judging other people and then you're that. You're that dude you're so yeah
3: and then all of a sudden you're judging you because you have a different name than what's on your driver's license and you forget who you are i love that one
5: is that is that real
1: yeah well that's more common that's more common than not what's that movie that came out a while ago it was like this it was this dude who was like dating people online and he would like fall for people and then he would realize that they weren't they never really existed
3: oh is it like catfish
1: yeah catfish Uh uh-huh we're living in a catfish age homeboy
3: I got catfished before it was gnarly
1: what's that you did (laughs) no way what happened
3: I just learned let's put it this way because you know I got a politically correct show but I did learn that uh girls will take photos like this and it looks a lot different than like this. Sure. (laughs) And you know, I'm not really trying to judge anybody by their exterior. It's all about what's inside. We all know that. But um, sometimes what you see is kind of what you want to get. And so when you kind of like start out a relationship like that, you're like, wait, this already is a lie. Mm, I got to (laughs) bail.
1: Yeah, it's gnarly. But It's gnarly. That's a gnarly story. Uh, (laughs) But my point is, is like, we're all living in this sort of these catfish moments.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? Like, and uh, I struggle with that, too. But like, uh, yeah, you got to put the catfish down. Got to put the catfish down.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it'd be sick to open a bar called Catfish and then like have a photo booth or something. Like, just make it this whole experience.
1: Make it happen, dude.
3: Yeah, Mickey, come on, let's get this. Seriously,
1: he's got the vision. Do you ever see that, dude? It's so weird. Like, I'm just, we're in North Portland. So I'm like a five minute drive to downtown. And then these guys are in Southeast. And it's almost like just Southeast from North Portland is like how SF to Oakland was. You know how, like, people would move to Oakland back in the day? You would never talk to them again. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't see him much, but, uh yeah, I'm a big fan, big fan of Mickey. So. Yeah, same. He's, like, one of those dudes where he's, like, uh, I just don't judge him. Like, I, I don't know how he's earned that right, but I, he's just, he could do no wrong, you know?
3: Yeah, or OG City Boy, like, when I was a kid, it was him, Mickey, Thebo, Arco, like, those guys paved the way and kind of, like, put street skating in norcal on the map for us um you know then they met Nodis, got affiliated with sma or whatever and but all that stuff was like you know cbs sick boys all that stuff was like the original that was the early pioneer movement of that for us and so mickey forever you know and then what he did at deluxe and and the influence he's had and just like the charisma and magnitude of that dude. Like yeah. you go somewhere with them, and he's one of those guys you don't have to worry about, you're gonna have fun because yeah. he'll figure it out or get you out of there. Like it's gonna be fun or you're or you're leaving.
1: He had some felperisms too.
3: Sure, and yeah. He, he was you know, tight he would, with
1: Jake. He would call it out. He would mm-hmm. call it out. He, and um, you know, but he did it with a little bit of uh maybe a little bit more uh compassion. Mm-hmm. Like, he would call a kook a kook, but he would still be like, you're all good. You know what I mean? Totally. So.
3: I was scared. I mean, I'm a little scared of him still, but I was definitely scared, like, early on. <laughs> oh, there was
1: rumors that he was, like, punching fools out, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. He
3: he he would wrestle with you and, like, take it a little further than most people would. And you'd be like,
1: yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never had that experience. He's always been just, like, just down. He's just consistent. So.
3: Mm. Well, so let's go back to Connecticut. What's it like for you right about the time leading up to you moving out West? Like, who's your crew? What, where are you in life at?
1: Well, I first went to California. I would have been the summer before my senior year of high school. Uh. So that would put me with like, the Nimbus guys and like going to Suffering, New York and going to, you know, Jim Lynch's house or, you know, uh, skating with Ryan Hickey or going to Charlie Butterley's house. So that would have put me in like New York, New Jersey, as much as I could. I was learning a little bit more about city and skating with city skaters as well as playground. So it'd be like kind of a mix of like the playground skaters in New York skaters. So my first trip out West was with, uh, yeah, Jim Lynch and uh, Ryan Hickey and uh, his awesome girl, AZ. And uh, we met um, Rich Arbatel and Justin Pierce out there. We just drove all over California. So it's kind of a, that was kind of my break away from my crew of like, you know, Upson, Gaberman, uh, De Silva, like all those playground kids and just kind of, you know, skating more with the the New York guys, I think.
3: And what was like the idea before you left? Were you like, let's go hit a bunch of uh, spots or like, let's just go... like, did you have anything in mind? Like, we're going to go to SF, go to China Banks, CEMB, then go to LA. Like, was there it's, any?
1: Yeah, it's such a common dream that a lot of us were having is like, let's go skate all these spots. Uh-huh. Let's just make a list. Okay. Um, and, you know, when we first went to California, we borrowed Jim, Jim Lynch's car. And uh, I think the first skate spot we went to was uh, Benicia. Oh, serious? So, and Benicia is the spot with the Schwartz brothers, right? Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, Those so lumps next to the Taco Bell.
3: Mm-hmm. Or KFC, what it maybe. It What's that? I think it was KFC, but maybe oh, it right. was Taco Bell.
1: I remember it as Taco Bell, but uh, that would have been my very first like skate spot. Like, holy shit, we're here, and of course the Schwartz brothers were there. <laughs> you know what on I mean? Like demo. Yeah, so like, and we in in our first trip to California, all these weird, those weird type of things happened. Like, we would go to a spot and there would be someone. Oh, of course, this guy's here. Like, um, by the time we got to San Diego, we were at like a school Q or school W, one of those prominent San Diego schools, and of course, Sean Sheffy's there. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's like our first trip was just like time was really really dope Um, so like to give you to give you a marker we were there the day that Pat Duffy did the the hip ollie and grinded down that flat bar Oh, same day he grinded the 19th stair and then did a frontside slappy afterwards so these are like
3: wait you were there
1: we were there and we weren't there because we got a phone call to go you we just were there happened because, to
3: check spots
1: yeah we when we were in san diego we met up with this kid ben erpelding and he's like let's go try this school we went there we skated and then that happens
3: what are you thinking when you see duffy that was fucking so I mean, gnarly
1: it's such a it's such a marker as far as like yeah what are you thinking you're blown away dude
3: is you're that like, away. oh, California is the place to be? Like they're doing it way different than us.
1: Well, what's so crazy about it is is you th- you're watching the videos, right? Or you're studying the magazine uh-huh. at these spots. And then what, you go to these spots and this happens? Like it's just, I mean, it's something like that blew us away. And it's, in a way, it's never stopped blowing me away. It's just like the power of like, the right timing, being at the right place at the right time. It's just such a, it's such a cool part of life, mm-hmm. you know, in like, uh, and I'm aware of that in like so many aspects, but back as young skate rat dude who like, that's all I cared about. Yeah. It was, I, there's, uh, it was real cool day to watch. I remember going up to that photographer. What is his name? Uh, the dude who's not that nice is it Schlossbach? What's that guy's <laughs> name?
5: What's there name? is
3: a Schlossbach. I don't know.
1: He's got. He's like really militant.
3: <clears throat> oh, Daniel Sturt.
1: Yeah. Okay, that guy. Uh huh. Now, my dad's a photographer, right? So I know what a Hasselblad is. That wasn't. That's not like you know unfamiliar to me. Uh huh. My dad. You know, I grew up with my dad taking photos. He had a dark room in the basement. So like that's a conversation I would have at uh, being a young kid. So I remember going up to that dude at that session and being like, that's a, that's a sick camera. What is that? Is that a Hasselblad? And his response was, it's a fucking microwave. <laughs> that's what he said to me. And uh, I was like, oh, all right. And just like, you know, walked away like, oh, okay. That didn't, that didn't work out. <laughs> I don't know why that, that came in, but yeah, that, that really happened.
3: Was that that same day he was shooting Duffy or that was a different incident?
1: It, if it was not the same day, it was the day before.
3: Okay. Dude, I mean, that's legendary to be at that fucking rail. Holy shit.
1: I mean, it's legendary to go to Benicia and see the Schwartz brothers. <laughs> yeah. Like, like to do that, to see that show, you know? Totally. Like, so our, that trip we had was, there were so many parts about it that like, blew me away so you know that trip happens i think we spent a lot of time in santa barbara meeting all the santa barbara crew you know that's that's where i would have met like tony bulis and like ricky higgins and just like go to the powell skate zone and That was so fun so good so yeah that that trip we just made a lot of a lot of connections and then i you know the next summer by the next summer i was back um, in California and then just made it my permanent home. You know,
3: did you go out the second time on a trip and then you just stayed here or did you think you were moving out here or
1: what? You know what? Actually the second trip, I took a greyhound, uh, which back then greyhounds, I might've greyhounds across country like seven times. Like that was like an easy thing to do. Right. I think it was like 75 bucks.
3: Oh, really? Full.
1: Yeah, it was like three days. You just like stock up on some food and just like sleep for three days. Uh-huh. It was it was ghetto, but it was it was it was easy. Um, so that you know that happened. The next summer, I went to spend some time in Santa Barbara. Took the Greyhound out there. I would package Shorty's bolts in the morning for breakfast money. Go skating and then package bolts for dinner money. And then you know that was kind of how I lived, hand to mouth. Uh, in Santa Barbara. So I had to, that was the next summer. I had to go back because I didn't fully graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went back and, you know, took care of that. And then by, uh, April of that following year, I was out in California.
3: Was that Rob Collinson was your first place that you started crashing with? Where, where was that? The
1: first place I stayed at was, um, with Corey Shaw in, uh, off of uh, Alcatraz in Oakland, so it would have been like the f- Ron Allen lived upstairs. Uh, I think Jay Lofty was downstairs, right? Oh shit! And yeah, you ever been to that house?
3: I don't think Oakland? so, but I remember Jay Lofty and like uh, Ray Dillon yeah. and those dudes.
1: That was a trippy spot. So I, you know, I ended ended up there, and then uh, Corey, you know, put us up for maybe three months. He was doing a clothing brand called. Uh, OG wear, I think it was for Ice-T at oh. the time yeah, and it was like somehow related to Jay Lofty anyways, the original gangster gear it was kind of, it was a crazy one so Corey Shaw in Oakland and then I went and uh, I moved in with Jehovah uh, and Tails.
0: that's fucking cancer, fucking damn because
1: I 14? think Greg Ware was moving back 331 Octavia do you remember that oh, spot? oh that
3: was Octavia, yeah, yeah, yeah
1: You said Rob Collinson. You weren't far off because he would have then moved into the Octavia house.
3: Exactly. So that was a little later. Yeah. Did you know Pales and Jehovah from back east?
1: Uh, I knew Pales. He had stayed at my house to skate the playground. So I knew him a little bit. I knew Greg more. I think Greg was just more, he he was easier to connect with. So I knew Greg was like, hey, I'm moving out of this spot. Do you want to stay here? So I think mm. Greg got me in and then, uh, yeah, I lived with those guys. It's pretty nutty. pretty nutty, pretty nutty introduction, you know,
3: for sure.
1: I knew of Jehovah when he would, when Jehovah would come to the playground, we called him Marlboro man, like Marlboro, you know, the cigarettes
3: smoker. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause everyone got a nickname, but he would just show up and he wouldn't talk to anyone. And he would have a red Marlboro hat, like really low, <laughs> you know, like, just like, yeah. And he would just rip the place. So he was coined, you know, Marlboro man. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I dude. How's Danny. Oh. Have,
1: you, have you gotten, have you gotten Dan on this thing? I got a cutting board from him recently.
3: There, I so think dope. here's the thing. We're not going to even just answer without thinking too much about it. Who's more likely to come on my program, Dan Hobel or Tim Upson?
1: Uh, none of the above, dude. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Here's Drew Hobo's response. Well, I hear Drew
3: Hobo's response. It's your fucking podcast. I didn't tell you to fucking start the podcast. (laughs) Why do I got to go on it? I love Dan. (laughs) We have a really good relationship. You know, we can talk freely to one another and just not hold back. And uh, that's pretty special for
1: two human beings and, what about Becker I, I, have you gotten Becker on here to talk yeah about-
3: he was like the he was either the second or the third person I ever had
1: I like that dude
3: yeah he's got a lot to say too he's he's really like uh
1: intelligently he's a he's a, he's a, he's a woodworker man it's all oh, math yeah. he
3: made our cabinets our he custom made uh for my fish tank a desk and overhead cabinets for uh living with my fiance it's like Dope. Made my life a lot better.
1: Have you ever thought about going to a shop and maybe apprenticing or just trying to learn how to do stuff like that? Do you have any passion to do that?
3: Dude, I, yeah, actually. He mentioned that it's always there for, you know, for the close friend. I never really, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Evan, I love Evan, but I don't know if he has the patience to deal with my learning curve. You know what I mean? Like I might just be too much of an idiot. Like, and eh, go take some shot classes before you come to, you know, like yeah. one step at a time type thing. But I don't know. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. You, you, I love I, I love it.
1: The only reason I ask is, you know, Tiffany and I got this place and it's like a fixer upper, you know. And I spend a lot of my time just on YouTube trying to figure out how to do the simplest of things. So mm-hmm. like people like Evan, I just admire because he's like, it, all of this is like second nature you
3: know yeah and he does like it was crazy watching the process just for this it was like oh okay yeah but it, it was great and and cheryl couldn't have been happier she was like you know she had never seen evan's work really and we went through the process and she was just like
1: yes so
3: really cool great.
1: cheryl um cheryl get along with most of your friends
3: yeah She's so easygoing and like so friendly. She's like really nice. Like, if my friend didn't get along with her, it would be the friend's problem.
1: So good, yeah, cool. So, you got a good one, totally good for you. Like,
3: kind of like when you, uh, you know, you're a minimum wage worker and you stay at a five star hotel somehow. It's kind of how I feel. I'm like,
1: <laughs> just got lucky
3: yeah yeah it's you're fishing for trout and you pull out a sturgeon it's just like uh, <laughs> you know
1: that's great man oh yeah
3: yeah no it's been really good we're uh we're getting married we're gonna we've been that's been a struggle a little bit to just try to figure out how to do it during the pandemic right. but uh us too we we went through a lot of uh this or that and like for like what could work. And then we figured it out. And basically like long story short is we're basically sacrificing having a huge wedding because of the situation. And in doing so we're spending money on a more elaborate, like we're going to have a better wedding than we would have because we're not going to have as many people there. Mm. And so we're getting to go to this place that we probably wouldn't have got to go to otherwise because their rates are lower because it's a pandemic and we're not having like a hundred people. We're just having like, we're somewhere between 14 and 24. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it, but it'll be close family. And like everyone I talk to that's married is just like, dude, you, you won by default. Like you don't want a big wedding because it's too hard to talk to everybody. And the time goes by so fast. It's like your close loved ones. Like you're lucky to have your mom and dad still in your life. So like, it'll be great. And so we're just trying to focus on it like that.
1: That's dope. That's going to be great. Yeah. We're, we're navigating around what it's going to look like too. <laughs> hard. Uh, yeah, it, it'll, it'll get sorted out. Um, so you've had Becker on there. Um, who, who else have you had on there? Have you had um, any of the original slap guys on there?
3: Dude, I want to get Dawes. Um, that's
1: that's what I'm getting at.
3: Yeah, Dawes. I, you know, here's the thing about me. I'm not Rob Collinson. I'm really bad. I told this story before, but I went to a skate shop with a bunch of shirts in my car. Yeah. I walked into the skate shop, talked to the guy for a long time and had a good conversation and left. I'm not good at like being like, hey, wanna take my shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, uh, Rob's really good at that. Um, <clears throat> but that's my prelude got, to, I asked Dawes like, do you wanna be on the show? But it was a roundabout thing like, hey Lance, the door is always open if you wanna do, instead of like Lance, let's do, you know, like I gotta be more assertive.
1: Just be like, I mean, that's who I'm talking about. I would love to listen to Lance. He's always impressed me. Totally. He's got, he's got some philperisms too. For sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's real East coast. Mm-hmm. It's real matter of fact. And sometimes it's belligerent, but it always balances out.
3: Yeah. I love Lance. He's got tons of travel stories. He's, he's, you know, he, him and Jehovah's European tour would be enough for a, a, a good podcast. Like, yeah, you know shit like that and but yeah no land and he took not for nothing he took some of the best photos like him and gaberman and uh morford were always like just some think of, my of all favorite. the yellow
1: t-shirts <laughs> yeah. when, I, when i think of lance i think of the, the yellow t-shirt he always had in his car put it on yeah, yeah.
3: i remember Let's remember see. when he painted uh the vagabond He was into painting, and he went to the Vagabond pool, painted the whole pool, and then took up Sin and Jerobo there, and it's, like, all orange, I think. Oh, shit. And then he also went to Clipper and painted it all red for Heath's backside lip slide. Oh, shit. Because he was like, I want it to look different, so I'm just going to paint it.
1: Didn't Pales do that, too, or Pales drew on it for Clipper? I remember seeing a photo of Pales doing a back lip, and it had all of his drawings on it. Looked dope.
3: That might've been Clipper. Yeah. yeah. I think so.
1: Rob Collinson did that too. Painted uh, the, that Jersey barrier red. Oh yeah. Or was that Tony Cox might've done that. Any, anyways. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, like people were just starting to figure out like how to make, you know, it's probably related to like Thomas Campbell's colored flashes. Do you remember when yeah, his photos? Yeah, the filters. Yeah, his photos were so unique just for that effort alone, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then, you know, just a few, you know, it's, so it's kind of related. And then here we are, mid-90s, and it, people are just starting to own their spots a little bit more and own their style of, of photography. Mm-hmm. Fucking pretty exciting time because you're watching, like, skaters not only trying to, like, be more individuals, but you've you've now got the photographers too that are trying to put their own brand or their own twist on it. You know, that's an interesting time for skateboarding and, and filmmakers or videographers too, you know? People were trying to just be them, you know, more individual, like to bring out their, their very best rather than follow. Right. Right? Would you agree? Like mid-90s was like full of pioneers.
3: Yeah, I was just... Saying that the other day, like, uh, people, like, French Fred created his own, like, he kind of was the guy that rolling long lens, like, if you saw rolling long lens footage, it was usually, like, either Fred or somebody was trying to copy Fred. But it was, like, this style, like, recently, we were talking about this the other, the other day, how everybody is filming, like, Bill Strobeck now. Like right. he would zoom in real tight on the face and, and everything was long lens and tight to get to this, per, the, bring out the persona in the person, right? And the thing we were talking about is like, can you let those guys have their thing yeah. and not make it so overdone that the dude that created it can't even do it anymore because you pay- blew it can't, out.
1: Can't even get a paycheck.
3: Yeah. yeah, or just he doesn't even want to do it. Like, I, I wonder if Fred was like, dude, I don't even want to roll long, long lens anymore because every fucking Tom, Dick, and Harry out there is doing it. Yeah. And I want my shit to look different. And this is what I'm trying to do.
1: Well, I mean, same thing happened in photography. Uh, you think about Gaberman, who is highly influenced by Sally Mann, right? Mm. Photographer Sally Mann. He brings those influences into skateboarding. And Gaberman has all of a sudden, like, a signature look, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how many people have tried to emulate Gaberman without even knowing the steps he took to get there? Right. So so you see it in, like, videography. You see it in graphics. You know, like, uh, you have some of the best teams in the world out there. And their graphic department is like, just, just do what they're doing right so it's like i you know i get it it's big business and you just gotta get you gotta meet your deadlines and get shit out there but you know to me like the only thing worth paying attention to is the people that are like trying to just be a gaberman you know like and if gaberman's not the best gaberman's an example i use because he's so you know relative he's so close Mm -hmm. um And I've seen him struggle with, you know, hating his work and maybe being too influenced by Thomas Campbell and then starting to put outside influences into skateboarding and then it clicks, you know, like, so Gaberman's an example that's like, you know, it's accessible for me, Mm. but in videography, like there's, there was a lot of Dan Wolfs out there before there was, you know, Bill Strobeck's and then, uh, I mean, it's, there's it's just that's that's worth uh it's a conversation i'm really interested in is like the people doing that you know the best they can do without biting too hard you know?
3: yeah i was always a fan of jason hernandez because his parents had like their own basically like they made those um fisheye for uh, DSLRs, the things that hold the camera so you can follow film, okay. he made those like in his dad's garage. They made their own business, and oh. his dad was really hands-on with that. And Jason has always, in my opinion, really pushed himself, much like John Minor, yeah. where you follow a guy as fast as you can. To make the movement look faster than it actually in in other words you want the guy skating to look fast so if you're moving fast and low to the ground that's going to keep it fast looking on the on the screen and jason was so like we were talking about earlier we're all our worst critic and he would yeah. re things because he didn't like how he filmed it not how the trick was done and to get the skater to be like that's a that's an interesting you know dynamic when you're like dude i know you did that as good as you can but i didn't film it as good as i can can you do it again as good as you can so i can try to film it as good as i can like that stuff is like you know ty evan some of these guys have that like almost militant if you will like ideology about that stuff and it goes a long way like when you see grant taylor's part in the debacle video for nike i just love how he's coming in from different angles joining him and like it's just all moving so fast and it's filmed really steady and good and it's like You know that's a lot different than like an anti-hero approach
1: i don't think i've ever met him but i i do i am a fan of like his work and what it sounds like is you're explaining similar to like you just mentioned john minor um but john fucking rips yeah you know um so john is like example of he's in on the juice you know what i mean he's in on the session john miners look footage usually looks the way it does because there's no separation you know he's not the videographer per se, he's skating with them. Right. And I think that's kind of like what you're saying about Hernandez too. Yeah. Um, if you could capture that sort of like um, relationship with the, the filmer and the skater, then that that footage is going to be golden no matter what.
3: So Yeah. John minor bringing Westgate to SF and skating the Hills like Julian with a good filmer was, I mean that, it's funny because the video was called gold i think or stay gold it was gold yeah. like that was like holy shit
1: and i don't know whose idea that was but that's you know 10 years from now that that's what you'll remember like it's that it's that it's that marriage of like style power and spot filmer you know it's like uh, the chemistry is so so legit yeah, You, you got to go that extra mile and sort of put it all together, put all the elements together. No pun. <laughs>
3: I got a question for you. Uh My fiance asked me this all the time and I don't have the answer. And I think you might, but maybe you don't, but uh, Greg, Ware, Yeah. AKA Salba. Yeah. How, how is he Salba? Why is he Salba? And there was already a Salba, like who decided to nickname him something that, my girlfriend or Cheryl's always just like, okay, there's already a Salba. This is too confusing. Cause you're talking about Salba. I'm like, which Salba? And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of,
1: I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm not huh. the guy. This is like, these nicknames were set in stone before I was even. It was know, early, huh? Yeah. So it had something to do.
3: Probably pads. Maybe, enough,
1: maybe it was in Lowell mass, you know, maybe it was, like later on in life, you would think like, oh, he goes to the spot and stretches. Maybe he got it from that. But I think it had to do with like, you know, having the Salva board and something. Maybe he probably he had, had the tiger
3: stripe elbow pads maybe or something.
1: Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I'm not the dude to like help you with that. Um, I got to ask It's always him. been a mystery to me and I've just left it as a mystery.
3: Uh-huh. So, I'm sure that happened to you in the beginning stages of your relationship where you were explaining who's who to your girl and stuff. And then like it still certain yeah. names come up where they're like, wait, Staba or Salba. And you're like, no, no, these are two different people, you know, like, and it's funny yeah, yeah, to yeah, kind of yeah. like see that from their perspective. Like, oh yeah, they, that is similar.
1: Yeah. It still happens. It's, uh, you know, cause some of these people I have, they're not in our, you know, they're not in our lives. So it's just, they only exist in these stories. You uh-huh. know what I mean? like, They only yeah, exist yeah. like, like, Holy shit. I just, I talked to this dude I haven't talked to in however many years, you know? And like, so right. yeah, I mean, me and Tiffany have been together, you know, over 10 years. So it's like, she has some reference, but she just lets me sort of babble about it. and doesn't, she doesn't question too much. So mm, yeah. that's the best. She's, she's a patient one.
3: <laughs> That's important. Yeah, Salba actually he asked for a Dan Gallagher comment. I don't know what that means. Ooh. ooh.
1: If you know who Dan Gallagher is,
3: I don't think so. <clears throat> Do I?
1: All right. So there's a handful of us who hold, who have like you know these people that we would reference since we were in like high school, right? And so for me, like one of the people that I hold in high regards, you know, we mentioned Upson, right? <clears throat> there's a, there's a handful of people. Dan Gallagher would be one of these people who, who I would uh, say helped shape a lot of us on the East coast, you know, and uh, not only like uh, through skateboarding, but with like in life too, he was just so interesting. Right. Um, When he moved out to San Francisco, he would like try to take me to Herzog films before like Herzog, you know, like what was that small theater on 14th and Guerrero? What was that theater? You ever go there? I used to is go there. The
3: Roxy? For...
1: Could be, yeah, the Roxy. I think so, so like I remember when Gallagher, this is like 98, he was like, Let's go see Herzog at the Roxy, you know, like for a q And I think it was it was I think it was about the movie like Little Dieter Learns to Fly or something about one of those, you know, documentaries that kind of left an impact as far as if, if you're a Herzog fan. Okay. But Dan Gallagher, so interesting, man. He like, uh, he invented so many tricks in our minds and I, you know, I ended up living with him for a bit and he's just like a a real, real epic dude. So, uh, my stories about him, I I could, there's too many, man. I I don't know how to pull a story, a Dan Gallagher story out that would, you would find interesting. There's too many. Yeah. Uh, Dan Gallagher was not like any of us. Like he, um, he had better taste than all of us or he had taste in general. Like when you're a skate rat growing up, you're just a skate rat. You're just eating the latest magazine or you're just th- everything about you, your verbiage, like how you look at life is just, you're obsessed. Right. So you're not really a balanced human being. You're just like a skate rat. Mm. So Gallagher was like an example of someone who's just interesting as well as he would skate like 10, 12 hours a day, you oh, know sick. so he was just uh he was just wired a little differently, maybe more intelligent than the rest of us but uh we give him the credit of inventing the hard flip you know, that's the folklore around him he he cre- he invented hard flips hmm. but, so if you haven't heard that before that's that's some real shit,
3: wow. So. okay yeah i can't remember if i i don't know if i met him or anything i'm sure i've heard you guys talk about him what about that dude though uh greco always was super high on i think his name's shark maybe
1: oh todd yeah i mean todd is just an excellent dude to if you if you need, uh, if you haven't met him uh-uh. which i'm sure you have he's just like a
3: i don't think a real so.
1: grounded dude and he would have been like
3: Was he a little older than those guys so they looked up to him? Because it seems like Upson and Greco just love that dude.
1: Yeah, he was older than, um, he would have been older than Jimmy and maybe a year older than Tim. Okay. He had everything sorted, you know, there was no like drama with with Todd. It was like he worked, he he worked, he was the first one of us that had a full-time job. You know, he worked like a man and he skated like a man and he was like a teenager so you know what I mean? It's like he uh, he he had his priorities pretty pretty set. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what's going on with him. I just know he's like excellent. So yeah, if T- Tim and Jim talk about him, it's uh, it's for a reason. Yeah. yeah.
3: What was it like living at Fourteenth with those dudes?
1: <laughs> oh man. <laughs>
3: That's when you kind of really got to know Drahobo and Salva more. Yeah. Was Salva in there, or did you replace Salva?
1: Uh, Salva. It would have been the original four, six, nine, fourteenth Street crew was. Uh, I got the front room above the doorway. Jirohobo was next to me. Down the hall was Palsy and Greg. Okay. So yeah, it was it was perfect. It was like the perfect skate house
2: uh-huh you know, all uh, these dudes
1: yeah everyone spoke the same language um a lot of chowder had the, <laughs> had the, yeah had the same priorities everyone was down greg and i both worked like part-time day jobs but the sessions were like you know start it start flat ground in front of uh, 14th street and then make your way down to china banks Uh, So it was like just hit spot after spot after spot and just kept on going. So that was like the daily routine.
3: What's anything stick out from that time? That's like, I mean, there was a lot of ripping, but was there any like Pat Duffy moments on that rail with, uh, Jehovah like that you were like, God damn.
1: No, no. There's no like, just like such, such really rich quality time. Mm -hmm. Like good, good people doing, doing whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And SF was affordable at that time. So I think if I, if my rent was 300 bucks, you know,
3: That's insane.
1: I mean, how hard is that to come up with 300 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> you could work four days a month.
3: And now it's 3000.
1: <laughs> yeah. So my rent was so easy. And, uh, one thing that I remember, Phil, Phil pointed out to us once was, uh, one thing that I think we did wrong is we, we, Jehovah was the only responsible one out of all of us. Oh, like Greg, Greg Ware has always been responsible, but Jehovah was the one that like took care of business. And I remember Phil once like telling us all, like you need to give Dan a break. (laughs) Like kind of like, yeah, Yeah. like a, like a big brother. Like you you guys, you should give Dan a break. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't really understand that for many, many years until I was older. But, uh, yeah, Drehobo, like, paid for a lot of things. So,
3: oh. Were you working at all? Did you have, like, a part-time job or anything?
1: <clears throat> I worked at Starbucks uh, in the marina, right? Uh-huh. And I worked. I opened and I got out at, like, noon. So I would skate to starbucks on a longboard and i saw that as training but that's i thought i was in training i would skate <laughs> to work and skate back so that's how my mind worked and uh i would push yeah to the marina i'd get to work at like five thirty, um and i'd bounce by noon i'd come home and like everyone was just getting up to go skating that was like that was how it worked for me so
3: was that in the time that you, did you start getting stuff from real?
1: I first started getting, I was getting boards from zoo, from zoo York actually. Oh. Um, and that was like something that uh, Mike Hernandez had hooked up and Ryan Hickey had hooked up. Um, so I would get stuff from venture and I'd get stuff from zoo. And then I think I was going to Santa Rosa a lot and I, I wanted to be down with like Gaberman and Miner and those guys and Minzuri. So I got on ATM Click for a short window of time. Sick. Yeah. ATM Click. Yeah. So I was just kind of as, in meeting, you know, Minzuri pretty well.
3: Yeah, he was on the show.
1: Dude, one of the most excellent human beings.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like
1: so, so selfless, right? Oh, and so, yeah. And he's not like, it's not like butterflies between the ears. He's like, he's so selfless and so intelligent and a ripper. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I got the pleasure of like riding for ATM click for a hot minute and would go to like on trips with them or just like sessions with them and try to film with them. Nice. So it was like Zoo York ATM click. And then I think Greg Carroll would give me like think boards and I would spray paint over them, you know? And then yeah, real, real happened at some point.
3: Do you remember like getting a call or s- somebody seeing you and saying, Hey, do you want boards or how d- how it went down?
1: I remember being, uh, I remember being in some video and skating China banks and it was, I think me and Gangemi were skating China banks and I did like a nollie tail slide. And uh, I, I think we have
3: footage, man.
1: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> man. Zari filmed it. Yeah. Like, maybe. He did. He
3: told me he has it. He just is looking for it still.
1: Yeah. He might've filmed it another time, but I think like the section that I remember is like Ganjami who Robbie Ganjami rips, right? (sighs) He would be another one to have on your show.
3: He was the first dude I ever filmed that the footage made it into a video. Really? Yeah. The the second Thrasher video, he's all in a, a table lengthwise at Woodside.
1: Is that the school that goes downhill? Yeah. I was there.
3: That was the day that McKenny met Phil. And that's how McKenny got into the equation of think eventually. It was a big day. There was like a wicked demo. And then we all went to that school. I think Mike Carroll was there. I think there was lots of ripping.
1: If, if it's the same session I'm talking about, Robbie was there. Lenny Kirk was there.
3: Yeah. It's yep.
1: Lenny Kirk was there. And, uh,
3: I got to find that that that
1: shape heated. And then, yeah. And I remember Phil ripping. So how did Tim? Oh, wow. That's so interesting. So was Tim just there? Like, that's my spot. That's my local spot. Well, no,
3: we went, Tim was friends with me. I was actually filming him for the local skate uh, shop video at the time.
1: What what would that have been?
3: It was called uh, all skate and, and the video is called redivider because the guy that owned the shop thought that redivider was the longest word that you could spell both ways it says the same thing which mm-hmm. i don't know if is even yeah. true but uh, that, yeah. that's what he did but uh yeah tim has a really good part in there it's like two songs and it's like if you had never saw i mean to me tim is a really amazing skateboarder and when you see this for the first time just the way he does what he's doing is kind of like his own thing a lot yeah. and he always, to me, felt like an anti-hero vibe, kind of like that, kind of like, you know, whatever, kind of raw and gnarly. And uh, so we went to Wicked because it was the local um, demo. And then people were like, we're all going to Woodside. So we all went. And then um, I was friends with Phil, too. So I think I was kind of the avenue between Phil and Tim meeting. And then yeah, the
1: rest. I mean, are you holding up the you gotta hold up the gone fishing bumper sticker again, right? Didn't didn't isn't that what Tim sort of faded out with? Yeah, like Tim
3: such, Tim such, is a huge fisherman.
1: All right, so an incredible fucking skater. Yeah. Right? Incredible personality. Well, what's mm-hmm. that footage where he's singing Jimi Hendrix in some van?
3: yeah foxy lady it's the end of the dedication or it's one of the i forget which video it's that pink video all
1: right so rad dude whenever he would come to 469 he was had respect for the girlfriends that lived there Mm. so like everyone loved him and then he pieces out to like go fishing like that's like wow that dude that's like before anyone started doing that you know Yeah, he didn't have. He didn't have a nervous breakdown. He didn't put out whack footage. He just was like, you know what? I really like to do. I like to go fishing. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know him that well, but big fan.
3: Yeah, me too. I've been. uh, We've reconnected after. Fuck, I feel like it was either ten or fifteen years that I was kind of we just didn't talk and then uh two maybe three years ago reconnected and when we've been kind of like talking almost every day like texting or whatever and then yeah. skating like he's the guy that i go skating with
1: yeah you know you, you 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 make these these uh these friendships and uh they shouldn't be it shouldn't be like it shouldn't be much effort it should be easy
5: uh-huh. so if you
1: take a 10 15 20 year break you know and you get but you hang out again it's just it doesn't matter it's timeless that's what we
3: were saying right it's like you know a true friend when you can like spend a lot of time without the person and when you reconnect it's like nothing ever you know you just everything's perfect like if it's all weird and stuff it's like hmm i don't know you know what i mean like the good friends are the ones where you could just like be gone for a while and come back in and be like, what up? And it's just like yeah. starts where you left off.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like, what's that word? Like you make concessions for friends that are close. Like they could do no wrong. You just right.
5: like,
1: yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's a good fit, it's a good fit. And hopefully that's uh that's a timeless fit. Um, for sure. But what were we talking about? We're talking about Ganjami, right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, like he, how this
1: goes Yeah,
3: yeah um, You were talking about China Banks Skating with Ganjemi The Nollie Tail Slide Oh
1: yeah, yeah. So Wig, Wig Warland uh, We had an awesome session there um, I forget what Ganjemi was doing But he he's like one of those skaters That you He's got it figured out And if he can't do the trick He's going to delegate someone else to do it You got friends like that? <laughs> Yep. you know like they would be like you know greg what you need to you need to back disaster that or uh-huh. you need to you know what i mean like they there's uh so me i mean i remember skating that day and robbie was being like just telling me try this try this so he like man he's he's inspired a lot of people in that way he just like pulls out the best
3: mm.
1: in you you know so. Totally.
3: Yeah. I remember like him and Matt Reason early on were like this. They represented East Coast what was different about East Coast and West Coast to me, you know, like Dan Pencil later came and kind of explained to me like all your spots are fucking perfect. All our spots are fucking cobblestone and, you know, all this shit. And but it kind of was true. Like that was the mentality. Like, dude, we're skating fucked up shit. And when we come out here, of course, we love everything. Like it's it's almost made to skate comparatively. So.
1: That's a, I mean, grow up, growing up on the East coast. That's, that's a lot of people's like their conversation is like, they, I mean, I I learned kickflips in Gaberman's garage, right? Like I I learned kickflips in an area that was like, like stationary. Yeah. No bigger than this room. You know what I mean? And then when we figured that out, then we built a mini, a mini ramp in there. So we're talking about, it's like East coast skaters of that time, like, dealt with a lot of bullshit and made it work right like like not too many of us were like crybabies about spots and so when we got to something that was good it was just like you you skate until you can't you know it's like that blue collar work ethic it's like you you don't you never had it this good so
3: yeah. And you're dealing with all kinds of conditions with the weather too, that like out here, it's sure. like 60 to 70 all year round. Like you don't have snow or any of that shit. And back there, it's like when you can get some, you're like, I got to get it because exactly. it's snowing exactly. half the time or whatever. Huh. Yeah. It's interesting to see kind of like that. Now the perspective of all that stuff and kind of be like, oh, okay. You kind of really start to figure out why people are the way they are too. Like, you know
1: why yeah why they're deemed like high maintenance right why they're go with the flow right it's it's all relative to like what got them there in the first place so um but yeah so you've had minzuri on the show i'm gonna go watch that
3: yeah um i'm a big fan he was he was telling dude some of the stories are so sick like you went to uh George Harrison's castle, or something, with Tony Hawk and Lance Mountain, <laughs> and I think either Bob Dylan or Tom Petty was there. <laughs> was I like, think
1: it's yeah, I think it's Tom Petty.
3: Yeah, it's that's pretty, yeah. so yeah. yeah. He's had a charm life though. He's and yeah, me and him actually filmed Toad's wedding together. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I've known Mike pretty well for a while. I think I met him mostly. Um, you know, I met him in the city, probably adrenaline days, but then like once he was working for America and, uh, S and all that, I started to really through Thrasher are, are working together. Like, you know, you, there's certain guys that you're like, this is more than a, a, a coworker. This is actually a cool dude. And I want to build a friendship with, and he was one of those dudes for sure.
1: Yeah. Similar to, to what I was saying about Gallagher, Dan Gallagher, oh. um, you, you you surround yourself to with Mike. You know you, you're around Missouri, you're gonna learn some shit. Right,
3: right. And
1: if you don't, you're, if you don't, you're an idiot. You're not paying um, attention. Yeah, dude, really, really interesting. You know, really humble and like his his wife too, Sharon. Like they're just like they're they're just excellent human beings. So like, yeah, honored to know those guys. Um,
3: all right, before we get to current day status, we got to talk about one last thing. Mm-hmm. The old Slap Angel. Yeah. How did that happen? Did someone ask you to design a logo for Slapper or were you just doing art and then someone said, "Oh, that would work for Slapper?"
1: I mean, the mentality I had at that time, I would not be able to like come up with if if you if you sort of if it was under the trappings of, Hey, you know, you're, you're an artist. If you can come up with the logo that we're going to use for the next 20 years, you know, see, let me see what you got. Like, that's just not like reality. It's like uh, you mentioned pressure or yeah. And it's something that just sounds, it just sounds like nothing I would be a part of at that time. Uh You know Um, it took me a long time to be even to the degree of professional that I am now. You know, and I'm not even like, you know, uh, definitely a pro in, in a lot of ways. But uh, so you mentioned 469 14th Street. Do you remember skating flat ground out front? Oh, yeah. Do you remember across the street there was that ledge and it always had like bullshit graffiti on it? There was like a, a wooden fence with a ledge. It was right next to uh, Naps. Naps was a bar. Naps 2, I think. It By was By the called.
3: laundromat, right?
1: Yeah. So it went, it went, yeah. Laundry, laundry bar, man. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a cool setup. You do your laundry and you go have a beer and play pool. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's a good time. Um, but there was this wall, so there was this driveway and then there was this wall. And I remember going out like, you know, at night and just painting on that wall. Just painting, just bullshit that I would be doodling, you know. It's not, no like graffiti aspirations, like no like uh, – I just, it seemed like a fun thing to do. So we would go out and paint on the wall and whatever. And sometimes I would have a a girlfriend with me or sometimes I would just be doing it by myself, but that's kind of like where that character developed. And so you're talking about a good year maybe of just doodling it. Like whenever I would go to skate spots, I would draw on someone's board or, you know, I always had a marker in my pocket and I would just put it somewhere.
3: Were you doing grip tape art?
1: Yeah, but not like extensive, not nothing memorable, uh-huh. you know, I would do grip tape art, but it was just like a written coined phrase that I heard or a lyric uh-huh. that I heard or like nothing too extensive. But so that kind of, a, that, that character evolves naturally know, it used to be really sharp, like sharp uh, features, like the wings, just the character was very sharp. And then it kind of got rounded and more fluid in the, I don't know if this is too much of an interesting story, but this is like, this gets back to like right time, right place, sort of magic. Mm. Um, At the time of that uh, Jersey barrier spot, you know, that spot that's now the Gap headquarters, that was like a, it was kind of like a half, like it was a little pit that had Jersey barriers around it and bank going up to it.
3: By the Bay Bridge? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I would skate down there um, in in session after work.
3: That place was uh, sick. McKinney perfect. had the cover of Trans World, right?
1: Uh, maybe. Yeah. Phil, Phil backside, tail around the corner? Yeah, through the corner. Yep. I filmed yeah. that. You did? Yeah. Oh, it's good. I remember going there with Upson once, and he was doing a front blunt, and we were sort of. Uh, we were betting each other who could land their trick first. And we, the bet got so high, it was like a month's free rent if you land it right here. And uh, I'm totally going off on a tangent. But anyways, I owed him a month's f- of rent. He made it. Because yeah, he did a front blunt. Um, <laughs> all right, that's just, so I'm not, like, I'm not like good at bets, right? But mm-hmm. uh, all right, let me r- rewind a bit. So um, I'm leaving four, six, nine. This is like a year after doing that doodle here and there. Um, I'm skating down. I stop at Rainbow Groceries, which is like a spot that you would go to, right? Mm-hmm. And outside of Rainbow Groceries, I find like this graffiti marker, like a, you know a fat extra fat graffiti marker, and it had like velcro in it, you know. So I'm imagining it some, some guy was doing graffiti and it like, you know how graffiti guys they velcro their shit into their jacket. Like Twist I, used to do
3: it. I didn't know You ever that. seen that? Uh-uh. They get-
1: Anyways. Yeah, so I find this marker and I'm like, this is, this is sick. And I skate all the way down to the spot. And no one's there, right? This is like pre-cell phone. So nobody that I'm supposed to meet is there. And uh, I just start doing the same doodle that I've been doing on, you know, that I'm annoying the shit. You know, everyone around me is so annoyed by it because I'm doing it all the time. And so I put it up in that spot on the inside. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's it, like from that day, it shows up in like photos, right? And then Lance is like, you know, wh- hey, what's that thing that you do? You know, what what is that all about? And I was, you know, I had, I gave him like a loose answer of like what it meant to me. And like, uh, and then he just, uh asked, he's like, do you, do you think we could do something like that for a t-shirt? And uh, I put, I was like, yeah, let's do it. But I put it off and put it off and put it off. And then uh, the the one that they used, I, I I had drawn when I went to slap one day, I just drew it on a piece of paper and then that became that. So it's not like the best story, but that's kind of like, I think that's a proper like trajectory of like, it went from doodling obsessively for a good year, year and a half, to it than becoming something.
3: So was um, it kind of like your tag? Like would you, wherever you were going, were you putting it up?
1: I don't say it was my tag because I wasn't like, I didn't have like the ambition of a graffiti artist, you know, like, like good graffiti is like everywhere all the time, you know, good graffiti is like a virus. It's just like there it shows up and it just takes over. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just, I would draw it on people's skateboards and I would draw it at places, but it wasn't like I was drawing it at a graffiti spot. Okay. And I I don't mean to make the distinction that there's a difference because I just want to, I just want to be clear. Like I have a lot of respect for graffiti artists, right? A lot of admiration for graffiti artists. So I was kind of dabbling in what they do without Mm. actually taking on the heat that a lot of graffiti artists do you know what I mean
3: yeah no I get so, that
1: so I am you know I would say I would stay because some people are like you know he's a graffiti artist and I'm not that's not really that all that accurate you know
3: no it would be more like not a graffiti artist but more of like a mark like I was here kind of vibe like right. I, I went to this spot I put this thing up like I was in ripping because there's my thing you know
1: that's that's more that's more accurate. It's like again less ambitious, and more like if I had a marker and if we were done skating.
3: So it kind of came about though. If uh, just to to clarify this, is you were putting it up in a in a bunch of areas, kind of doodling with it, and then somebody got a photo with it in the background, and Lance had seen it around and saw it in the photo, and it kind of sparked that idea.
1: It's it's a long time ago too. Sure. Uh, those are my loose markers. Like I think that's how it happened.
3: Huh.
1: But uh you know, it, it, it I do know it hap- it would have it only happened because Lance was like you know, let's use this. This is interesting. And then or this is dope or whatever he right. said. But it only happened because of Lance. And then like after the first year, he was like the shit is the shit you know, staying is sticking seems to be sticking people people like it i remember him having some sort of analogy of like you you know icon images in american history and he was trying to like school me a bit on like everything from like the harley harley davidson logo Mm. to uh it could have been some car logo at the time um but he kind of walked me through the history of images with wings and their importance in american iconography
2: oh
1: wow i mean that's lance just kind of having just kind of freestyling but i remember that standing out as like being a little trippy but you know maybe he's right that's uh seems to work and nowadays you throw anything with some wings on it you're good
3: all right so so um, i guess i gotta make my next logo with some
1: wings yeah dude put a microphone you know fishing lure hanging on the microphone some wing (laughs)
3: good well dude i I'm going to pull this out and, and show you this, but I told Jeremy fish, what if we recreated this logo? And instead said, I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be casting. And it's the podcast.
1: It's tight. I'm down with it. Whatever happened to that shoe company
3: Vox? Well, the thing that happened was they had this amazing team, but they didn't put a lot of effort into their shoes. So, their shoes sucked <laughs> oh, oh,
1: like like ipath
3: worse than ipath like ipath huh. ipath was like Nike dunks compared to Vox huh. yeah, Vox was like, um, you really needed insoles really badly if you were going down four or more stairs, and uh yeah, it was just I think those guys you know. I love Ed Dominic and the crew that he assembled, the team with Shockus and all, it was, like, the best shit. Like, E-Man, Hewitt, Navarrete, Drehoble, Gravette, Strubing. Uh, Strubing, yeah, Duffy. There was so many dude, and it was just great times, and they all had that same ethos where it was, like, we're going to have fun before that's more important than all the other bullshit. So, you know, you always Three had, like... Yeah. Ricky. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a, a great team. Um, Yeah. I guess shoes isn't as easy as, uh, you know, a lot of shoes also got taken out when the uh, big dogs came in and started wanting to snatch up, you know, costing and P-Rod go to Nike and Converse makes a team and Adidas has more than Gons and Lance. And so yeah. Big money kind of came in and swept. Um, we're lucky that Lakai is still around in, I think, America. But a lot of the sh- core shoe companies, you know, DVS is gone, Circa. I th- is iPath coming back
1: maybe? I don't know.
3: I see Field is out there just doing it. He's really out there right now. It's pretty cool.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't know what he has going, but I'm backing it. I mean, Field Field is amazing. Like, uh, Field is, to me, like, one of those guys that should still have a pro board <clears throat> out there, and he should still be recognized for, you know, his influence. But, you know, I don't know. It's weird, weird right? Skateboarding's weird. Like, yeah. you could draw the parallel between, like, the struggle of, like, jazz musicians, of some of these guys were, like, influenced so many people but never really never really had a pot to piss in you know um but in skateboarding you know maybe it's a little different maybe matt definitely had a pot to piss in but he lost the pot
5: Um,
3: yeah i don't know i think yeah it's it's everybody gets fucking off the you know sidetracked if you will for a little bit and some things happen and partying gets taken over and lots of different things and then you kind of realize what really matters and hope you can still hold on to it it seems like
1: you think about field and you think like skateboard royalty i know that's kind of a overused term Mm. but if there ever was like a sort of if there ever was someone to you know to write the story of skateboarding and uh how some of these guys impacted uh other people in life and skateboarding and all that like fields up there
5: like matt field is
1: major major influencer Mm. um so yeah what if he's getting IPath together dope Mm -hmm. do it yeah Um, rasa libre i think rasa libre is still like i i might own like three skate shirts i think that's that's one of them that oh, is in heavy rotation sick yeah.
3: yeah i know pales and carl i don't know if matt's involved but satori just got revamped
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm up here i i i hang out with brent it sounds like it's a good program rad i know brent's on that on that satori oh, yeah. again mm. they put out some cruiser wheels um. Yeah, Satori. It's a good time for it to come back. Um They got really big, right? Do you remember being in Whole Foods and like you'd be in line paying for whatever you're paying for, and you look over and there's like a Satori hat. <laughs> you remember? You remember? It got so big.
3: Yeah. No Satori. It's,
1: <laughs> it's like such a weird scene. Like they went pop. They they like blew up. Yeah. So, I don't know what happened there where I don't even, I don't even know where they went. I don't know how to follow that, but it seems like skateboarding
3: blew up though. I mean, I, I go to Disneyland and I can't count on two hands, how many Thrasher shirts I see. It's crazy. Like, you know, or at the airport or wherever you're going, there's, it's just like skateboarding is or skateboard uh, style. They don't necessarily even skateboard, but like they, they drew to the van's shoe or the thrasher shirt or the hat that says, I don't know, you know, it's interesting. It's crazy to me. Like, wow.
1: (laughs) And in that, I mean, what we're talking about here is like skateboarders are really influential, right? Is that what we're saying?
3: Yeah, I think so.
1: I want to like that, that needs to be, protected like there still needs to people that there still needs to be new skaters young skaters that have that same influence you know exactly and i don't think it's going to come the way of like face tattoos yeah because like all these guys we're talking about it's not like topical the influence matt field had on skateboarding that's not topical um matt matt field is also someone who introduced like like raw skating. Right. And somehow spirituality. Right. Right. Uh, You know, Matt would come to four, six, nine, sleep on the floor in the hallway and he'd be up before everyone else. He would skate up to Dolores and go do yoga. Mm
0: -hmm. Like
1: he was like tapped into like um, a vibe that was like, I don't know. That became like a thing. Mm -hmm. Like before Matt field, and I'm not, I'm not talking shit on Palesy because Palesy is someone I care about. But, you know, Matt Pales was like uh, preppy Jack Kerouac, mm. you know? He was like a ladies' man. Yeah. Like he, he was a ladies' man. Yeah, he's still a
3: party. ladies' man. Come on. No doubt.
1: no doubt. But, I mean, he was like uh, preppy like Jack Kerouac. Listen to Bob Dylan. Think about the influence that Field brought. You know, like, right. not it's not too far after Field had his impact, you know, Pales would be at the dinner table reading the Bible, smoking a spliff. You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. is like, so that, and I don't think that's like an isolated incident. Like,
3: no, like Tony you know, like Cox, her, a lot of those dudes, right?
1: Dreads, dreads came, came into skateboarding pretty hard. And it wasn't like Alva dreads. It was right. like. It was like, yes, I, it was like Rasta, like, right. respect. like, so again, we're talking about trends, but we're not talking about topical trends. We're not talking about thrasher sweatpants. Yeah. You know, like skaters need to bring that impact, bring, bring that influence today for mm-hmm. the next generation to be, you know, viable.
3: I think what sure. you're saying right here, if, if, if I can is, uh, Without map field, there might not be a ganja in your brain.
0: Take away my and <laughs> the, the huge
3: map, the huge map pales hit might not exist without field. I
1: that's, what I, that's what I'm trying to get at. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry it took me so long, but yeah. You nailed it. That's why you're, you're doing what you're doing. Oh man.
3: All right. Well, let's talk about the otherness.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about it.
3: How and when,
1: Uh, how long we've been chipping away at this since uh, early 2000, early 2016,
3: 16.
1: Yeah. So Tom, Tom Horning, do you know Tom from uh, back in the day?
3: I know who he is. I don't know him.
1: Well, Tom is a guy who's from Louisville. Um, you know, le- legend, legendary from like his days working at uh, skating for GNS to like Creature to Scarecrow. Um, an amazing skater from Louisville. Uh, he lived in SF for many years with like um, Tony Cox and Heather Rose. Yeah, so I've known Tom for a long time. Tom hits me up out of the blue when we were still in Oakland. And he's like, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this for a while and I'm going to contact five people to see if they want to do this company. Um, And if all of you say yes, then, then let's try to do it. If, if one of you says no, then that's a sign that we shouldn't do it. Huh. So, you know, I, I tell Tom, like, I'm curious as to what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm down. Let's, Let's see where it goes. You know, I love skateboarding still. Uh-huh. Um, whatever I can contribute to this crew, like, sounds good. Sounds good to me. So that's how it started, um, pretty organically. Um, a conversation about uh, us starting a brand together, um, and then there was a good like year.
3: Who was we, the who was the crew?
1: Uh, who got that same phone call or text yeah, message? The five.
3: Uh, it was five guys.
1: Yeah, so it was myself, uh Barker Barrett, Shannon May, Mark Johnson, and Tony Cox. So everyone there that that is on that list has, you know, influenced skateboarding in in heavy ways in my book, right? Mm-hmm. So it resonated with me. And I you know, I imagined because I'm the dude who's like still you know, an artist, I'm imagining that that was going to be my contribution, you know, like, let me just, that's just how I took it. So, um, yeah, so everyone was down. And shortly after we had a group text uh, that went probably a year and a half where all of us chimed in on ideas and and kept it going. Um, And it just sort of evolved. It evolved that way. A lot of great ideas. And, and, you know, I started like, uh, like kind of equivalent to, do you use Slack at all for work? Slack? Yeah. So I started like an equivalent to Slack. Uh, this, this, I think, it, what is it called? Trulio or something, some sort of platform where I started like grabbing all of our ideas that were in a text message form and putting a date to, to them and sort of cataloging all these things that we could do. So I started doing that and then I presented it to everyone, like, hey, if you have any ideas, put it here. Here's how you log on. Uh, This would be a great way for us to not just brain fart all of these ideas. Because, you know, you get on a group text and I don't know if you're like me, but I shut those things off. You know, I like group texts, like I mute them and then I catch up with them when I can. Yeah. So it's not really the best way to like put great ideas. Great ideas get lost. So, yeah. Anyway, so my part early on was just collecting all these good ideas, and just I believed in the whole vibe. Huh? Like I, I thought we could pull it off. And then it came time to like finding a name, getting a name. Uh, you know, you know, paying for the name to be patent-pended, and uh, just yeah, it just kind of evolved like any other small brand would.
3: How did the name come up?
1: We all had different names and I think Mark had access to a lawyer at the time. So I think he just took all of our names and gave it to the lawyer uh, to see which one, was, which one was taken, which one wasn't, um, which by the way is, you know, if you're gonna spend a lot of time with a brand, you know, having control of that name is kind of crucial, you know, mm. so yeah, so Mark took care of that. That was amazing. Um, and and it came back to us and we had a few names to play with, and we just kind of went through the names as to which one seemed to flow the best. And, you know, as it, as it works out, like otherness just had the rhythm that we were looking for. Hmm. Um, otherness had the vibe that we were looking for. Um, you know, it's a word that comes with a lot of history. So you have to be respectful of how it's used and, uh, But if you could rationalize and get through that part, it's a pretty powerful, pretty powerful word. So um, yeah, we just kind of like made the brand happen that way.
3: Curious as an artist, when you're thinking of a name, are you thinking at all when you're thinking of the name, how, how it could look or are you like, what is your thought process on that? Like would you ever come up with the name and you're like, dude, it's, it's not going to work like aesthetically, but it's a great name or like, what's your process there?
1: I mean, you know, I don't have, I wouldn't be the best person to ask because I'm not starting companies left and right, but um, it was part of our conversation and it's a great question. You got to consider like, um, you know, how many companies are in skateboarding right now with the letter A in them, you know, or like how many many have the letter O? So it's like, you got to sort of like, navigate around what's this going to look like in a year from now, five years from now. So you kind of want to, you want to get something, a name that's going to be less about you in that moment and more about like what it could be, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, so yeah, we considered all those things and uh, it took, it took a long time to get it to, to work out.
3: Part of that question for me is like, before you finalize what the name's going to be is part yeah. of the process, like coming up with a logo at the same time that could work. So you're like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I can't come up with a logo, this name's not going to work.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's totally part of the, the equation, right? Like yeah. how are we going to un- unravel all of this? Um, and to, to be honest I'm in love with images and and illustration and uh, how photography balances and things like that. I wouldn't say my strong point is coming up with a logo. Like I'm not a logo guy. If I was more like a a graphic designer, if I had more graphic designer than I do like art shops, I think that would definitely play into the conversation. But um, if you look at our Instagram, like I just throw up whatever, when i when i feel like it Uh um and maybe that's not the way to do it but you know i'm still you know i'm at a certain you know i'm into instagram and then i'm not so i know it's our only way to get out there and have the public look at our stuff but at the same time i like i like for whatever putting we're putting out there to have some sense of hand involved you know it doesn't have to be necessarily like cursive or hand style but I'm into like the texture of, of of hand-drawn images. So,
3: sure, okay. It's a
1: great question. It's one I still haven't figured out yet. It's how to how to make that logo uh, timeless. But what a weird time to even have a brand out. I don't know if you're aware of like how hard it is to get skateboard made. Yeah. But, you know, before you uh, before mm. we got on this talk, I was you know I was instant messaging with Dandy at five one zero. Oh, she's a sweetheart, man. She's a sweetheart. And um, I just basically laid it out to her. I was like, this next series is comprised of, you know, four different wood sources um, oh. all done by myself. I've got these boards for you. I'll have these boards for you at a certain date. So it's like, Sick. Um, yeah, everything is like, it's so gnarly on this series. Like literally my fingerprints are on the boards, like <sighs> smudged. You know what I mean? Like, Uh uh-huh first time doing a lot of this stuff and
3: uh how cool yeah i saw that thing you sent me yesterday the conveyor belt or whatever
1: and dude i i don't know what i'm doing i'm just like (laughs) hey can i use your machine cool i'll be there in five minutes right so i'm making a lot of costly mistakes but just because of that it gives me that much more i'm that much more in it like just having like you know, so what, I can't get on the phone with JT at bareback and be like, hey, what's going on with this? You know, it's all me. No. Um, so every little morsel that comes out, I'm so proud of it because I still believe in it in these crazy times where I can't even do the simplest of things. Right. So uh, it's such a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing at this age to care so much about a brand like, like I do, but uh, it is what it is, you know, so.
3: So Mark's no longer a part of it, right?
1: Mark, I think Mark kind of ducked out. I think we had like a like I said, a good year, year and a half uh, of communicating, and um, I don't really know how to approach that one. I think he just like I think he was going through a lot of personal stuff, maybe, right?
2: Uh-huh.
1: And I don't know him personally, right? Oh so i can't really speak on that but like i think he was going through stuff where he couldn't really concentrate on this collaborative effort and that's what it is you know you've done collaborative situations you got to depend on each other you got to come through right like it only works if everyone's putting in their two cents and uh i think he just uh had to focus on different things and it just kind of dissolved the end of the day you, you know Mark had a career that not many people can navigate through. So, mm. respect. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I don't know what he's been through. Right. Um, a lot of it, I don't care. You know, it's not. It's none of my business. So, you know, it, it just kind of happened that way. I mean, I could sense he was carrying a lot of weight when I was introduced to him for to do otherness, mm. and a lot of that weight would interrupt what we are trying to do. Right. Right. You know, I was talking with uh, Robbie and Jemmy about this the other day. Um, A lot of skaters, you know, they're doing this for so many years, right? 20, 20 plus years. All they know is they're dependent on the advice from those close to them, whether they're friends or not, whether it's a business relationship or not. That's, that's a very like, insecure like that that creates a very insecure sort of chemistry right like imagine if you couldn't really trust your co-workers like they're just going to say yes to you for and they always have uh, right yeah. uh-huh. that makes for a very like unbalanced individual and so like i was talking about it with Gangiemi, and we're just kind of like spitballing about how difficult it is to talk or to deal with pro skaters and you know, some of them do some some of them pull their head out of their ass and figure it out and okay. decent folks, right? Yeah. And some people just keep you know can't figure that out.
3: Yeah, so that's but, true.
1: whatever. I'm I'm not an expert and like like I said, shit's interesting. But um yeah. respect at the end of the day.
3: Right. And then did uh since you were living up there, how does it was it just natural that Brent got involved with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would go to uh, that Silas's skate skate park. What is it? Assholes Garage. Yeah, 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 fuck. Pretty amazing spot. Fuck. So, so moving here, you know, moving here, I had to like connect with a whole new crew of people. Uh huh. Um, and
3: Joey Pepper.
1: I don't know Pepper too much, but huh. I, that dude's rad the okay. um, is who used to get me to go on sessions because nakil is a key holder and uh he's, oh, just sick. I do.
3: he's one of my oldest like when i first started filming him sean Conley and kenny reed were kind of my crew like right. yeah we'd go out in the city at night you know uh union square and all that i let Nikhil for days
1: frontside half cab no slides yeah oh my god at those on the high ledges at union square yeah the he's, he's got a, he's a class act. Mm. Um, so solid dude, dude. um, good parents. Yes. So what's your question? So I would go to asshole's garage, Uh. um, and then I would see Brent and I knew Brent a little bit because at the time I was, uh, down, you know, getting stuff from deluxe and getting stuff from real, we would go on these weekend trips, you know? Um, and I remember we first met when he was like 13, we went on a, san luis obispo trip like the real van two vans full of dudes so he would have been getting stuff from like stereo or anti-hero or something at that time so yeah a new brand. maybe
3: stereo i can't
1: remember you know little little kid right yeah so we knew of each other's name you know we knew, knew each other since then and then you know having it was easy to like oh hey what's up i remember you And then you skate more and more and then all of a sudden you just, it it happens naturally. And uh, yeah, he's such a, such a balanced dude. Brent is so, he's like uh, such, so awesome to watch skating.
3: Yeah. He's a treat, especially like at Burnside and stuff. If the weather's good up there, you got perfect weather and you got gas to go anywhere. Do you have one park that stands out as like the best, like, if, if i could get to this park that's the one i want to go to first pick
1: i don't know if you're asking the right dude because i any chance i get and it's beautiful out i go to this one curb that <laughs> I, yeah i go this is out by smith and bybee it's like a marshland it's like it's like a little maybe like a 20 minute drive mm. 15 minute, 20 minute drive but there's like a bike path alongside this really nice like marsh sort of area where people go and canoe like it's a canoe hotspot, right? People okay. Canoe in the um, Cairo had found it and told me about it, and he's like, "I think I found a curb. This might be sick." And uh, yeah, I go to the spot. We we broke the curb in. We fixed it. We painted it. It's just like this massive, long, double-sided curb, and oh. so so I don't have a good answer for you, man. Whenever I get a chance and I'm like feeling strong, I go there with my dog and skate.
3: Okay. So, fair enough i got the double set uh, or the double-sided at uh pier 27 is is my sloppy haven and it has a double-sided curb and like slappy curbs everywhere and then there's like a downhill double-sided Oh, dude! it's wow. pretty it's pretty legit it's like nice. yeah you gotta go early though because it's kind of like people know about it so it can get blown out
1: blown out by skaters
3: yeah but right now with pandemics, so it's, it's at like um, where the boats dock, uh, the, you know, the cruise ships. Yeah. Yep. But that's not happening right now. So it's completely empty. Always no parking lot or whatever. Wow. don't be set up. <laughs> what
1: kind of dog is that?
3: A little fucking, it's like part, I think part Chihuahua, part Pomeranian.
1: Oh, wow. Amazing. Yes. A little dog. Yeah.
3: She's getting old though. Um, Do you want to read this uh, graphic thing?
1: I was just trying to give you material. It's it's something that I thought was funny. It's just like. uh,
3: I like the part. I think um, so basically it's a list of what, how to, what to think about or when you're making a board, a board graphic, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. i just, I thought I was being funny about it. Um, It's something that I put up in pharmacy for when we did like a, a board release for Brent. Uh-huh. So, uh, they asked me to do like, yeah, I did like a parlor style artwork, like drawings from like, you know, to early two thousands and just skateboards and stuff. Anyways, I threw that up there, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. Cause I, I don't see that too much. I think everyone has these rules and regulations for when they, for everything in life, but I'm not seeing that much in skateboarding. Like I'm not seeing people, uh, with their, to-dos to do's and not to do's or their strategies for like what they're creating. Mm. And uh, I just thought I was just trying to be funny when I, when I so I sent that to you, but yeah.
3: Well, one of the things that I like on there that kind of, I like it all, but one of them that sticks out a little more so was uh give Basquiat a fucking break. <laughs>
1: That's like a a pet peeve of mine for, for so long. Is, um,
3: is he just, everybody's taking it and beat it to the ground.
1: Basquiat's such an important artist. uh, And I remember when I first learned about him, I couldn't get enough of his images, right? Um, We're talking like mid-90s, late 90s. And uh, isn't it crazy that that's still happening? Like, people are still, like, they're still, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, his work embodies so much energy and freedom, and people are absorbed or get really absorbed into his work, right? They read, they read his his prose and they like, try to understand like, you know, the relevant, like why is it so relevant still <coughs> and uh, whatever. So that's Basquiat, right? He's an amazing artist, okay. But I guess my thing about people biting him so hard is like, you you could start there, right? But it doesn't have to be like your whole shtick. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that could be your like your training wheels is studying Basquiat. But eventually you have to have your own language. Mm. And so that's all I mean. Like, you know, that's all I mean when I say that. It's just like do your, do your own shit, man. You know, just, just do your best. And if, it's, if the other influences jump in, then acknowledge those. Right. And go in another direction. Like uh, this is, I'm not, I don't mean to be like a know-it-all, but this is like stuff, I think I read about this in like an old Robert Rauschenberg interview where he talks about, you know, the people that he he works with and he's influenced by. And I'm not doing it any justice, but but the takeaway from that interview I read from so long ago Um was just if you if you find yourself doing things like other people, just go in the, another direction. Like acknowledge that you're biting, you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, man. I'm just that's a I'm good just, lesson. I'm just trying to be funny, but <laughs>
3: I, <laughs> well, but does Basquiat, does he if, if you got an artist, uh Mount Rushmore is Basquiat in in there?
1: Oh dope. That's a great question. Uh without a doubt. Yeah. Who's, yeah i mean who, I just, who's on this side you know it's interesting right you like Morrissey and then you learn about Vinnie Riley you know what i mean you, you like Basquiat you learn about Cy Twombly
3: mm. um, so these are the influences that they had
1: yeah i think so so it's like you um it's just they're all so intertwined that you yeah so yeah Basquiat's up there Rauschenberg's up there and then I don't know. I've got you know. There's several other artists that I, I don't know how to to just pick.
5: Pick mm-hmm. the rest. But,
1: yeah. but those two, those two people are were like so accessible. You know what I mean? Right. You like Rauschenberg, Robert Rauschenberg? I don't know. I mean, Robert Rauschenberg. Just look. Spend an afternoon looking at his images. It's like uh, there's so heavy. Like what you see in skateboarding. Okay now you know what i mean um and it's so accessible the images the photos he took and how he combined them with paint and what he would call them and how he would like his theories behind what these images meant it's like you don't have to be a scholar or like have a you know academics as far as like he's really interesting if you read a few huh? things i'm check diving out. in
3: i don't know a lot of art like i know the obvious ones but i don't or maybe i don't know the obvious ones apparently but uh, i i know a few but i i i'm amazed um sometimes i go to places that there's paintings like people that have collections yeah i i couldn't tell you who's i mean maybe i could f- pull picasso out of my sleeve or something but like <laughs>
1: yeah well we're talking about like so it it resonates right and maybe Mm. you'll like write it down or maybe you'll jot it in the notes section of your phone you're like (laughs) that was interesting right then then you go home and you research it and you figure out what this person is about where they came from what school they kind of came with and then that info that opens the door to, to someone else i mean this is art is the same as like cooking and music and like yeah or
3: photography which is an art but like that's kind of more you know if when I go to MoMA and the exhibits I'm usually going to like see photographer stuff and and then there will also be paintings but I don't know as much about that stuff um
1: yeah so like go like you know at some point check out Sally Mann
3: oh yeah you mentioned okay you know that's, what I'm saying? that's Gaberman right
1: and like Gaberman would write to her no way Right. Okay. Like, hey, this photo of your daughter. I need Gaberman on the
3: show, actually. We got to talk.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah, he's He's a great dude. He's like, outside of what he's done commercially, like his influence on skateboarding is unparalleled. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a little Woody Allen about it. You know what I mean? Which is great. Which is could be great. Sometimes it's <laughs> annoying. It's annoying as fuck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, could do no wrong. Gaberman uh, and his wife Noelle, like they're just like really amazing, like image makers.
3: Uh huh. So. Do you during the pandemic and stuff, uh, Cheryl and I, because we we take this thing, we're taking it serious and we've been kind of like abiding by the we're what they call rule followers. So when they tell you to stay indoors and wear a mask, that's what we're doing. Anyway, uh, we got into documentaries. That's kind of been our thing. We we watched in the first three months, we watched 50 documentaries. And it was just fucking epic. Like, I've always been into documentaries, but I've never, like, kind of structured my life to, like, watch a bunch, right? And soak them in. Takes patience. Dude, the information that comes with it and just, like... I mean, there was some amazing ones. Like it was just making this time go by in a positive way. Like to me, what I always say is if I learn or I progress, it was a good day. Like those are the two things on top of that. I like to laugh those, you know, those are some important values that I have. Right. I'm a simple man, uh, yeah. but, uh, I'm wondering, did you do you guys watch? I I know you mentioned not too much TV and stuff, but like, do will you watch a a home movie or a documentary or any stuff? I don't
1: don't think I watch as much TV as everyone else. I just try to like not watch it because it's like I have other things I want to take care of, like. Tiffany exposes me to so many amazing films and, and mm. documentary and shows and, you know, as well as we watch bullshit too, like whatever, we'll, we'll take what we can get. But yeah, there's nothing I would say. Are you asking me like what, are, what I'm watching, what I'm thinking yeah
3: something like I saw this, uh, what was it called? The Odessa project. I think it was about this dude that stole a submarine. It was so fucking epic. And like the, it's a documentary and they're like talking about this guy. Right. And he's like, just this elusive dude. And the guys are like, you're never going to get this guy. He'll never fucking do an interview. Right. He's, he's like Jehovah, but like in that world. And then the next scene is the dude in a submarine location unknown. And he's doing the interview and he's like, kind of like Scarface, just like, what the fuck you want to know? And it, dude, it's so amazing. Like for sure. Greco saw this and loved it. It's like, that kind of guy just like fucking whatever and uh i don't know that one stuck out to to me and then i I really got into i started like tripping on myself because i was like dude you are obsessive about serial killers like all that stuff that like the unabomber the night stalker those are so amazing first
1: 48 do you watch first 48
3: Mm, or no
1: for isn't that a isn't that a uh about first 48 of like cr- problem of crime solving isn't that a thing
3: maybe i i haven't seen it though maybe oh, i gotta T-
1: tiffany's big on that too she's uh, okay
3: like mind hunter is it that one
1: i whatever you're gonna say she's watched them and uh, okay. she's really good. um All right but honestly like i uh i hear what you're saying and hopefully you could text me some uh some some good things to watch yeah um but I get so brain fried from in the in recent months from work or whatever that I, I just go listen to like really quiet records.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> vinyl.
1: Yeah. Vinyl. Vinyl. I, I, I've spent some money on a sound system that sounds pretty good. And, uh, nice. So I can't like, do you have an extensive
3: I, vinyl collection? Like if you move, is it a bitch?
1: No, no. Okay. It's like, no, it's mellow. It's like five boxes maybe. It's mellow. Okay. But it's like, I just, uh, to answer you, like I, I'll hit you up for like recommendations, but like, oh, man, yeah. in the last uh, six months, I've just been, I've been having like serious brain fried moments where I just need to
5: Chill just out.
1: do nothing, man. And like, I, in those do nothing, I like take notes. you talked about this is like a therapy session yeah no doubt yeah i go up i go upstairs put on a record and i go fishing
3: yeah and goes back to kind of meditation like meditation can be whatever you want to call it like it could be just going on a walk it could be listening to a record like it's it's basically blanking everything out except for one thing where you can keep your mind like and not judge yourself bring your back self back into the moment like yep this is a microphone yep this is a microphone like whatever
1: it is we're all do- we're all doing the best we can man Fucking yeah eight.
3: are um, you going out at all do you go out like can you go out what's portland what you- like during this
1: uh you know from the we'll news see-
3: it looks really scary Portland. They had those uh, demonstrations up there that were looking like they were going to send in SWAT teams and stuff. And I was talking to Joe Brook. He's like, dude, that's like one block of the whole city or something. It's like, it's one
1: area. Well, he says he he is kind of right, but we we live in North Portland. We live right off of Lombard and there is a police office, not a, it's just, it's just a place where they do a lot of their heavy paperwork and signing of these important documents is like less than a mile down the street. So it's true what Joe's saying, but we during the summer, and they were protesting every night. There would be helicopters. You could smell the tear gas. You could smell the smoke. Oh. Um, I would go to my sister's, who's she lives eight blocks away. We'd hang out, you know, you know, distant in the backyard, and then we'd have like we couldn't go home because it was, the roads were blocked off because protesting and police, you know, SWAT mm-hmm. teams and stuff. So. It, to ask your to answer your question it's like it's like nothing i've ever experienced
3: right what Me a crazy and, time like, to be alive
1: like every night is so weird so yeah it was literally every night we would go to bed listening hearing helicopters and smelling that smell and hearing people on the loudspeaker so mm. <clears throat> yeah it's so trippy man so trippy so um but yeah we, we somehow navigated through that and uh everybody's really hopeful about where we could go. Like, so we'll see. I don't go out, man. I this, like, uh, I don't go out. Okay. I, mean, I go to home Depot, you know, mask up, go to home Depot. Um, get some I, Salva,
3: sauce. Salva sauce. up those curbs. No no
1: um, yeah, you know, good. I just, uh, drop boards off at local shops, go to UPS. That's kind of like what I those are my priorities.
3: Who are wow. the local shops up there? Shrunken Head.
1: Shrunken Head is so tight.
3: I love Shrunken. Uh, We're doing Mark- a collab, Shrunken Head and Talking Schmidt. Can you believe it?
1: Shrunken Heads is tight. Smart Collective is super dope.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, um,
1: you know is ph-
3: pharmacy up there, Cal or some no.
1: Yeah, Cal's Cal's is like the the. Yeah, the go-to. Everyone goes there. It's so oh. surreal going into these sh- skate shops and seeing them so bare. You know? Dude, every skate shop I've
3: talked to said this was the best year they've ever had. Like, they couldn't keep hard goods in the store. They were just flying out of the fucking place.
1: I know. I keep hearing, you know, I, I remember talking to uh, Jim Thibault, and I was, like, begging him for boards, like, blanks, just to get the shit going. This is probably, like before maybe in August, Uh just hitting him up like, yo, help me out. And he would tell me about how many wheels they were going through. It was just like, it was, it was, the demand was so high that they had to, they had to allow certain shops, you know, they had to cut them off at, let's say, whatever, 200 sets or whatever. Uh uh, Yeah. I mean, the people that have accounts and can get stuff produced are killing it. So cool. Mm. So you, you see people like go from like maybe their POs were like 1200 boards. Now they're now they're placing POs like 4,500 boards each PO. Like it's like each purchase order. So it's uh it's pretty dope to see. People are like
3: kind of uh, goes back to the statement skateboarders are heavy influencers, you know. Chris Pastor says we're the tastemakers. I love that one
1: rad yeah rad. yeah that's well put um i'd like to think that's true yeah
3: i think it is i think you know i, I mean think- i'd
1: like to see that like that be the case you know what i mean
3: yeah and continue to be right uh, you know
1: speaking of casemakers um who are some of the brands that you think are like doing really interesting stuff? You know, like
3: how do you say it without putting anybody else down too much? But I think it's kind of like what yeah. girl in chocolate did, you know, just having like, we're all in the van together. Cause we all love each yeah. other and we're all going skating together. Cause we love skateboarding. It's not like this hodgepodge of dudes where it's like this guy from the East coast and this guy from the West coast that don't even know each other, but, they have this marketing thing that we love. Like there's this strategy, but like we can't get them together because he likes raviolis and he likes lasagna or whatever it is, you know, you're just like, "Ah." but you just get like New York, right? It's like fucking these dudes just all, even if there was no company, they'd be skating together. And that's what Um, I think draws you to your original question. is like, well, who's doing interesting stuff. Antihero has the best ads in the mag, you know, like it's like there's certain things that you just know.
1: Yeah, I, 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 but I'm just interested in like what what the next generation I'm interested in what the new generation is bringing, um, because I I love skateboarding that much. I, I, you know, and I, I respect I respect it a great deal.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I talked to McKinney, like I said, a lot. And he he's got his finger back on the pulse. And sometimes he'll come at me with some stuff. You know, he's an older guy. He's probably, what, 44, 45 now. So him talking about, like, the difference between, like, I don't know, some kid like Cater or whoever is out there <clears throat> and seeing it and appreciating it and stuff. Um, we've both kind of been gravitating, not gravitating, but kind of, like, really respecting what the all the women are doing. Like, it seems like sure. skateboarding for women for a while was, like, there was a handful of girls, you know, Vanessa, Alyssa, some of these girls that were doing it always, but now it just yeah. seems like there's a whole pack of them. Like they can have, it's not such a, it, like it seemed like it was kind of a rarity before. Whereas now it's becoming more in line with like, we have our whole community and we're There's a lot of girls ripping.
1: Dude. you absolutely and what you're talking about touches on an important note in that um you know the the female skaters from the let's say even late late 90s they were ripping right but they were under such intense like critique do you know right. what i'm saying yeah and um it was like they couldn't really they would have a part and it would be dope, but they couldn't really, it was ne- it was never um, you know, it's like the big brother always kept them down, so to speak. That's that's what I noticed. And now in skateboarding, in it doesn't matter what sex you are, nothing matters because we're less critical of each other. And that's such an interesting like time like to witness because we've seen skateboarding come from a very like, you know, divided uh pastime, right? right. I mean when we were kids. When we were kids, it was easy to, like, not want to watch someone because they were deemed Hesh, right? Or he's too fresh. Hesh versus fresh, yep. Sure, we had all these reasons why they weren't part of the gang, right? Why they were deemed a kook. So, like, hell yeah, it's an amazing time for female skaters. It's an amazing time for gay skaters. It's an amazing time for uh, black skaters. The intensity (laughs) has been lifted, you know, like – and we're all uh it seems to me at any age i mean it was harsh to even be an older skater for many years the yeah. vibe was harsh right you know, who's this old creep you know what i mean <laughs> and, i mean i can handle stuff like that like because i'm there to skate i'm not there to like be somebody uh-huh. um but yeah, it's really nice to see skateboarding is all all encompassing, man. We we seem to be doing a good job of like lifting each other up, right?
3: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, not to get into a long discussion about it, but um, you know, when the Sorry. whole like when Black Lives Matter really started to take off in this last year, kind of after the you know, the Brianna incident and all that stuff. And um it was a heavy, I mean it's still a heavy topic, but it in my mind that kind of it really flared up, um, rightfully. So yeah. I was talking to a lot of people about kind of you know racism Sim- and, right. and, and yeah, civil rights in that stuff, but not to say there's no racism in skateboarding. I would never say that, but I would just say that like Chris Pastress and these people that would come on the show would say skateboarding definitely led the way again in kind of like, dude, we weren't looking at what color the guy was. Like when Kareem ripped, it wasn't like he was a great black skater. He was a great skateboarder. And that's yeah. kind of what humanity needs to take out of, you know, again, skateboarding, you know, Hank Aaron died two days ago and they were talking about how he was a black baseball player and how he had always been judged as a black baseball player. And he was such a humble person and never really like let it get to him. But he was always critiqued. Like you're the black guy that took out Babe Ruth and people didn't like that. There was a lot of turmoil and obviously we have a long ways to go, but I just think that like, I'm really proud of skateboarding for like a nine times out of 10, embracing people for just who they are, not the color of their skin or what sex they are, or, you know, any of that stuff.
1: Not, not to mention, um, wouldn't have, like we're so forgiving, right? Like there's cancel, cancel culture is a big topic and we've seen it uh, for various reasons in the last year but skateboarding, um, you know, in, in good and bad ways, might look the other way if you're a real asshole or if you've done something really fucked up. But if you're showing the love, you know what I mean? If you're if you're getting yourself back on track, let's say, mm. and it's like, and it resonates and it's genuine, we're like the most forgiving group of human beings. Like that's that's something I don't uh, I don't think we give each other each other enough credit about you know yeah at the like, end you're you just
3: it. wanting to celebrate right in, in, in whichever way that is but when you're skating together you're celebrating your skateboard and, and your ability to do it and if you're at your top of your game on your skateboard and i'm on the top of my, and we're friends we're we're that's what it is. And like, I saw you in a dark place and it bummed me out. And to yep. see that you're out of there and you're back and we're doing what we've always done. We have to celebrate.
1: I mean, it, it's, it's, it's strange and it's beautiful. But, uh, you know, it's um, I'm 47, right? I want to see Antoine like skating. Yeah. Isn't that strange? Do you know how detached I am from him <laughs> as a person? Right, pretty matched. Like, there's no, um, you know, I'm, I'm been out of the game for a long time, and I just skate w- as much as I can when I can, when I'm, when I can. But like, it's interesting to be have that skater mentality and want to see someone like that succeed. Mm. I think that's interesting. Like, um, right, skateboarding's really strange, man. We want to see each other do the best we possibly can, and like, whatever that actually means, you know. Yeah. So. For sure. It's dope. I mean, we, we're pretty tolerant, patient group of people when we want to be.
3: Well, we're winding down. I just uh, got a couple of things. Uh, do you have a good question you'd like to ask every guest from here on out that I interview? Like a question that could be in the interviews.
1: Okay. The takeaway from this conversation is I'm not that funny. No. Um, so I can't give you any, any good heat to work with. Um, <laughs> But I think something that would be dope is like uh, there's that weird, like hashtags are weird, right? On Instagram. Mm. Is it weird? It's weird. Right.
3: Uh, yeah.
1: Like I, I like Brad, Brad Stabba years ago was pretty funny. Cause he would just hashtag like a story or like, the, yeah, like, everything. That's that's, that's, it's funny. Um, in, in, in that skateboarders always hashtag. Thank you. Skateboarding. Right. Right. It's weird. It's weird, but it's, it's cool. Um, so maybe at the end of each podcast, just like, thank someone super random.
3: Mm, I like you it. You know
1: what I mean? Be tight. I mean, I'm, again, I'm not funny, but. Um, no, but it
3: can be creative. It can be intellectual. It can be whatever you want. Doesn't.
1: Or it could just be like, um.
3: Here, I'll handle the humor. You handle the smarts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or the, the talking too much. Um, I would say, so in that, I'm going to, I'm going to say like, I'm going to end this podcast by like saying, thank you. You're awesome. I've always had great conversations with you. I think you are more important in skateboarding than you allow yourself to believe. Like, I think you're a pretty valuable dude in this industry. So I would say thank you for taking the time. Um, but who I would thank if I was like, Oh, this is the end of your podcast. Thank somebody. I would say uh, Bruna Da Silva. So oh. I talked about her shape of the playground
3: playground, yeah,
1: so pivotal like uh pivotal moment in my in my life was uh, her like giving me a place to be,
3: so awesome okay you know, and and then also, what we do on each podcast is we end with a song to take us out of here, you know, oh, yeah, something like uh from your vinyl collection, something that maybe. Uh, Well, your favorite video part, something that makes you think of the world today or anything, or just a song that makes you smile or angry.
1: What's that Don Henley song, Deadhead Sticker on a Cadillac?
3: Oh, yeah. I saw Deadhead Sticker. A voice inside said, don't look back. You can never look back. back. I thought Thought I I knew what you was, but did I I know. know. Those days are gone forever. I should have
1: I can't see you. Let's play that. Let's just let that play.
3: Let's play that. so much man was great talking to you fucking awesome
1: i was gonna flake on you so yeah, i I'm was kind
3: of surprised like i thought you might flake on me you know you got that fucking you got a little tim ups in you
1: no i just overthink everything and i'm like why would i do that but yeah. uh uh in in you know but i enjoy your time man and i love what you're doing so. same
3: back at you are you a t-shirt beanie hat or mug guy I could send you something for uh, you know I'd like to fucking show a you token of my mugs? gratitude
1: huh? you have coffee mugs you said I got these oh yeah that's let's do that that's amazing I'll send you a Barker board. do you still want I'll send you a Barker Barker board
3: oh yeah that'd be amazing um, and then uh, I thought you were going to say you're going to send me Barker and I was like I I can handle it don't don't pressure him <laughs>
1: um he would be uh probably your best yet um if you could wrestle him down yeah mentally um he's one of the more interesting minds that uh i've ever come in contact with
3: rad yeah i love barker um i think
1: you should do the barker in a two-parter start it like this mm. and then uh you know oh, go hang out in his backyard what the fuck he, he that'd be, be amazing
3: and- yeah. But fuck, dude. Yeah. Um, thanks for spending so much time. Say yeah, hi to the I fiance. Good I luck with planning man. that.
1: What do, how do we end these things?
4: Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at Talkingschmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at Talkingschmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.